Hello and welcome to our first podcast that we've got with a special guest. We've got today um, Gemma Walsh, ex-England captain, Great Britain, Wigan Warriors captain and current St. Allen's player. How are you doing Gemma? Hello Stuart, mm. nice to see you. You too, come out the way to Outton Sticks to meet you at your house and uh, I've never been here before. So <laughs> Sunny St. Allen's. Lovely place. Um, so this, this podcast today basically is going on about... Um, the life of like a female athlete, someone who's made it to the top of the game, played a sport, rugby league, um, for a number of years. How many years now? About forty years. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the trials and tribulations, obviously, that's taken from being a kid all the way through up to up to present day, really. So, let's start right at the beginning. Take us through, obviously, like growing up, school years. What happened around that time? So, obviously, being from Wigan, yes. um, your rugby league's born and bred into you from yeah. the minute you can you can walk, the minute you can talk. Um, my dad used to be an ex-professional rugby league player, played for Wigan, he played for Huddersfield. So, obviously, you know, I was brought up um, loving the game, I had a younger brother, um, he was always playing rugby, uh, we used to play outside, you know, one-on-ones, and then... He obviously started playing for a local club, Wigan St Jude's, um, which was every weekend a family event. We'd get up on a Sunday morning and we'd, we'd go watch him play rugby. And then it started from there, really, yeah. I obviously enjoyed watching him and um, kind of wanted to give it a go myself. So I think I went down training with the, with the lads um, and couldn't play obviously girls couldn't play um at the time with, with the lads so just could train with them um and i think they had like a friendly tournament a bit of a pre-season tournament um it was a bit short sports with the other team and they, they would let like, like they'd let me play so i played one game and i think i scored four tries in that game and was just hey. literally just natural yeah. Gemma's dog's here by the way if it keeps yeah. barking don't worry about it i think he's wanting a flipping snack or something offside he's looking up um, but yeah, so, uh, so at school then, so what happened at school? Was there any rugby league? What, what school was it? A Wigan school or...? Yeah, it was a Wigan school. It was uh, the dean in my high school that I went to. Yeah. Um, and did they lad... play rugby league with girls? There? The lads did. No, the lads did. I think there was quite a few um, of the lads who made it um, professional from you know from my year as well. Um, but there was no girls team at my school at the time. So I settled with um, netball, hockey and uh, the javelin was yeah. my uh, speciality. So when you look back... Would you have liked to play rugby at school? Was it something that you'd have obviously? Or, yeah. or did you fall into it at the right time? Was yeah, it more... no, I would have loved to play rugby um, at school. There was a few, there was um, a local town team. So in the last year of high school, I was fifteen. Um, the it was um, a Wigan town team that was was created, um, and a few of the girls in my year, you know, we went we went for it, and, and we ended up playing a couple of games against a different a different town. Um, I can't remember which town it was but we ended up playing one game at half time um at central park and i mean a packed central park as yeah. well um and it we literally got it was like five minutes each way a game that we went on and it wasn't a full 13 aside i think it was like eight and nine against nine and um yeah i remember i scored a try in that game and it was a, about a 70 meter try um running running down the 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 wing actually and central park was like obviously it was packed at the time yeah. it was just before central really moved from central park to the dw and yeah we had it on video and i loved it like the crowd like cheering when i was running and i think you know that just added to the, the love of, of the game really and, and, and wanting to 
to do more of them kind of things. So looking back then, obviously you mentioned that really first, but it's like something that inspired you. Um, obviously, if you look back now, is that something where you look at and think, right, you know what, that give me a taste of wanting to play rugby uh, and push forward, you know, obviously, and, and play the game as an athlete? Yeah, um, like I said, that I never felt that moment at Central Park. And I think, you know, being on, you know, on a pitch and Central Park was obviously an iconic pitch. Um, and like I say, it was obviously just just before it it you know well Wigan moved from from Central Park to the DW and hearing that crowd and you know seeing on the video seeing that you know get the, the the Wigan fans getting on their feet and yeah from then you know from being a fifteen year old, um and doing a bit of a full circle you know when I'm thirty six getting to captain Wigan Warriors yeah. you know I had to wait until I was thirty six to play for Wigan. Did you think that had ever happened? Did you ever see Wigan Warriors? kind of creating a women's team obviously no no there. I never I actually I, I never thought you know in the time that I was playing rugby that um the Super League clubs would, would buy into it and, and, and would have women's teams obviously you know it's come around and I think it's you know it's amazing now for the women's game but at the time it was not something that I even thought about I was quite happy to to play amateur rugby you know, well you know we're, we're amateur now but for the amateur teams yeah. um, I was quite happy just just to play rugby league so what was what? What do you think been? What's been the gap then from that being obviously you've been at school fifteen playing at Central Park, to it being two thousand and what year were it eighteen that Wigan created a team? Why such a big, massive gap in between there? Talking fifteen, eighteen years, whatever, to create something that's got some kind of format to it, like a you know the women's rugby league that's been created now. Why is why is it taken so long? Not too sure. I think you know. Part of it, you know, it's obviously down to the RFL. Um, the RFL getting on board and, and, and taking the women's game on. Um, when I was playing, you know, back back in my amateur days or, you know, for an amateur club, uh, it was run by WALA, which is the Women's Amateur Rugby League Association, I think. And that was a separate body to the RFL. Yeah. So the RFL, I'm not too sure what year they actually got, they got involved and... We went from well to to the RFL, but obviously you know the growth now of the game and the expansion of it has come from the RFL taking over the women's game and yeah. kind of going away from from the wireless side of it. Would you have expected them to kind of I don't know put it together a bit sooner maybe if it, if it was if, it, if we go back in time I know hindsight's a good thing like but would you have expected for it to be you in your mid twenties there to be some kind of you know professional well not professional but you know amateur league set up that's kind of replicating what the men do. Yeah, I think I think the RFL missed a trick. To be honest, I think if they'd have taken um, the women's game ten years ago, uh, you know, obviously because football started to come about then, didn't it? You know, like women's yeah, game of football. football rugby, rugby, rugby unions always been bigger. Yeah. Um, you know, if so we've, I think rugby league's lost a lot of people to a lot of girls, to, girls and women to to rugby union because the opportunities in rugby union was always was always bigger. Yeah. Same with football. I think the RFL had you know taken like I say taken the women on ten years ago. You know, you're talking 2010, which is two years after the first World Cup we, you know, we, we played in in Australia. I think, you know, you'd have seen a massive difference in the um, the standard of the game over here, especially, in, you know. Interest in the game as well. Yeah, you know. the interest. I mean, it's, it's slowly coming now and the fact that, you know, the BBC are on board with getting the Challenge Cup shown on TV. You know, I've played in more than 20 Challenge Cup finals and none of them have been televised. Yeah. But that's because obviously, you know, the RFL weren't involved and there wasn't that um desire, I guess, to, to get it out there. So what do you think that comes down to? Does it come down to maybe finances, money, you know, not enough money thrown at it really from the RFL or 
Yeah, I think it definitely comes down to money. I think everything, you know, at the end of the day, IFL is a business, so I think it all comes down to money. Um, and I don't think that in terms of the money coming into the IFL is is enough, I guess, for the men's game. So I think there's work to be done in the men's game. And I think, obviously, you know, as them as a business, to get that money back, you've obviously got to concentrate on on the side of it that that's, that's going to bring that money in and yeah. that is the men's game at the minute there's, there's not enough interest i don't think for the, the women's game to be a, a, an earner for the rfl yeah. hopefully that'll change yeah. um but i think yeah it's obviously money it's, it always comes down to money i think yeah so going back then go back to school days um what was it like being a girl uh playing rugby league back then so what, what year we're talking around roughly though what year yeah wow. can you remember that far back no <laughs> um so yeah so well, we're talking i left school in 96 so talking around about 94 95 um so was there any stigma around girls playing rugby league at that point was it was it something that was kind of it wasn't a big thing there wasn't that many girls playing rugby if i'm honest um the high schools that i you know that i knew of didn't have girls rugby teams there was far few in between um even the amateur clubs didn't have girls teams if you was a girl and you wanted to play um you train with the boys and i think couple maybe i don't know 96 97 they, they let girls starting to to play with the with the lads but like i say in my day i, I couldn't play with the, the boys um so i had to kind of wait until i was 15 till i could play in any kind of competitive league and then as soon as i turned 16 i signed straight for a women's team um which obviously you know my first women's team was hinley which uh, is the only team in wigan yeah um, I did one season at Hinley and then I, I left to go to Wakefield Panthers. So what was the setup like at Hinley then when you went down there? Yeah, it was pretty decent. Um, Hinley, Hinley Amateur Rugby League obviously um, did quite well in the men's and, and, and the lads as well. So it was quite um, it was quite a good setup. So were, um, they, were they forward thinking with that then? Was they like one of the first ones to kind of pioneer having a women's setup down there? In Lancashire, yeah. There was quite a few already in, in Yorkshire. So Yorkshire was kind of ahead of Lancashire in terms of the teams that they had. So there was quite a few women's teams um obviously in Yorkshire yeah. and trickling into them women's teams was, was girls teams but like I say um that the first team that the first open age team was was Wigan well Hindley um and that was obviously the only team in Wigan at the time so a quick progression there from 15 then into 16 with that what year did you make your England debut um I was 17 when 17. I, yeah, so when I was 17. So a couple of years so after it was Great Britain. Yeah, so yeah. it was Great Britain. Um, so it started as Great Britain, not yeah. as in an England team. Right? No, it was okay. Great Britain. Um, and we had, Great Britain, they'd had two previous tours. They, they played in Australia in 98 and New Zealand in 96. So obviously international has gone up, has been going on for quite a while, the internationals uh, between Great Britain England and New Zealand and Australia, yeah. um, but nobody would nobody heard of this. You know, I, I didn't know at the time when I was started to play that there was an international team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I it was two thousand and there was a World Series and it was actually held um, over here in the UK. So the, which, so for people who don't know though, obviously the Australian game and, and the game in New Zealand is far ahead, probably a good twenty years ahead of what it is over here. Oh, the, yeah. the women's game, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. What was it like back then, uh, quality wise compared obviously comparing Great Britain to the Australian side, was it a big divide or Um there wasn't at the time, no. So back then, um we was quite evenly matched with Australia at the time in two thousand from what I can remember. Um New Zealand there was a bit of a divide. There was there was kind of 
um, a little bit in front of, of both of both ourselves and on Australia. What would you put that down to? More support from the kind of governing body, or just the no, just natural, just natural athletes, athletes. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. fast and strong, and and could play the game. Yeah. Um, Brought up with it, kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So obviously at the time, New Zealand was was kind of um, the front runners in the women's game. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. When you look at say you going then from the Great Britain setup into the England setup, how long did that take to come about? What was the what was the time scale there from it being a Great Britain Britain side? Was there many players from like your Scotland, your Islands, and your Wales in Great Britain side, or was it just generally an England? Yeah, it was England just setup? it was just generally England setup. And what was the reason why it was Great Britain instead of England at that point? Was there, was there any reason behind it? Or... Um, I think it just followed suit with the men. I think at the time it was it was Great Britain and the and I think it kind of we when when the men changed from Great Britain to England, the women went from Great Britain to England. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though obviously it was Great Britain and Ireland, the game, the women's game, was only ever played Lancashire, Yorkshire. Yeah. So we didn't have any um any Scottish, you know Welsh. yeah Scottish yeah. Welsh or even you know even players from down south. It was very much. You know the Yorkshire Lancashire border, and 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 that was it. Yeah. Who you pick from? So, I think the women followed the men, and it went from Great Britain to England. Um, and obviously the you know the men have now brought back the Great Britain, but I don't think that's a possibility for the for women. women. Yeah. In all honesty. So looking back to that time, then obviously going around about fifteen, sixteen into seventeen when when you made your debut, um, around about that time you came out as as gay to your family, didn't you? At that point. I did, yeah. And how was that as a sixteen, seventeen year old? With obviously leaving school, weight of the world on your shoulders. What was that like at that moment in your life? I was pretty lucky because for me, um, I don't see it as a you know there's this massive event in That's my a life. Yeah, it. no, I, I I I know a lot of people do, and even you know these days it's it's a massive thing for for certain people, and I was kind of lucky because I always knew that my family um, would would support it either way um so i never had that that feeling of it was is this huge weight that i had to get off my shoulders i kind of knew in high school i kind of knew um but yeah i went straight from leaving high school into the women's setup you know playing rugby where you know 80 percent of of the players in my team and and in the whole of women's rugby was was gay so it wasn't it wasn't kind of a shock for me it was i went to an environment where i was comfortable straight away so in in a way, like it did you a favour, kind of the environment you were in at that young age, it made you more settled, maybe made you kind of more confident at that age. Whether you know, without rugby league, would it have been something you maybe might have sh- not not struggled with, but it was made easier through obviously the community they had you had around you at the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, like you say, I think I would have struggled if I hadn't have been in that environment straight away. Um, I, up until me leaving school, I didn't know any you know any people that were gay or. Um, or even you know question the sexuality at that yeah. time. It wasn't really spoke about. Um, so you you knew earlier on. You knew kind of. Yeah, I kind of knew in like in the second third year of high school. You know that I kind of was was kind of looking more at girls than I was at it was at you know looking at at, at lads. Yeah. Um, whereas all you know all my friends were having boyfriends and and I wasn't really interested really in that. So you found like you was trying to fit in at the time and try and maybe yeah, I think not you, be yourself do you know what I mean I kinda? think you do yeah I think you do try and fit in you know when you're younger um, the normal is, is doing what everybody else is doing that's yeah. what that's what kids see the normal as um, but I was pretty lucky like I say because I went to an environment where my normal was, was then being gay 
I think it's changed now massively. You know, the 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 women's game these days. It's not it's not predominantly, you know, players who are gay or, or women that are gay playing the game. Um, and I think that's due to the fact that, you know, rugby league has got into schools and and um, attracting, the attracting a bigger pool of players. Yeah, kind of the, thing. obviously the RFL are pushing for the participation of uh, you know of girls to play rugby and and getting that into high schools. You you're opening up the you know a, a much bigger pool. Yeah. Where at the time I think. Maybe the kind of players or the kind of people that I was attracted to playing rugby was maybe, you know, young girls who, who questioned the sexuality and, and wanted to be in an environment where they felt felt comfortable. Um, what would you put that down to? Why, you know what I mean, someone like a, as a 16, 17-year-old kid, why would, why would you say that were the case? What, sure what's, it, what's rugby league got that maybe, you know, if you'd have gone down the route of just getting a job and no sport behind you, what, would, what was rugby league doing for you at that time? kind of give you a little bit of an output just to be yourself you know just to go into an environment where you, you don't have to pretend and you don't have to worry what people are going to think about you or you know are people going to have issues with your sexuality you could just go and, and do something that you loved and then after it you know you could just be yourself and, and enjoy um you know spending time with your teammates and I think that's important in terms of <coughs> kids these days you know I don't feel like they probably feel um, in today's day and age that you know being gay is okay and maybe they don't have somewhere to go where there's other, other gay you know gay people around them and I think, people to speak to yeah I think that's that's probably why a lot of people struggle um, at first you know coming to terms with it so if you compare rugby league to like football for example and obviously there's not been a, a gay footballer come out um, different in the women's game but say like, like Keegan Hurst for example I think the rugby mentality is obviously when he's he's come out as gay Right, you're gay. Let's carry on. Do you know what I mean? I don't. I don't think it's it's a massive deal in the in rugby league community compared to other sports. Um, and and as something where you've been able to you know kind of mention it and then just crack on with your life, that must have been a big thing for you at the time. You must have it must have taken a lot, a lot of weight off your shoulders really. And if there was any any hassle you got from it, it kind of relieved it, and you knew you had people around you um, who had maybe gone through the same things. Yeah. Um. I think. Obviously, agree with that and what you're saying, and you know, I think the rugby league community and the rugby league family is, is you know, really special. With with Keegan, obviously, you know, um, knowing Keegan's story, it's for him. You know, he he worried about it for a long time, and it was obviously a massive weight off his shoulders. And he could just get on with his life and or, or start living his life really without having to, you know, put the barriers up and pretend. Same with obviously, you know, girls my age at the time. Um. I think it's just a case of being in that environment where you're comfortable yeah. and not having to to hide um, and feeling safe as well. I think is a you know is a is a big thing because you get you hear a lot of things about you know people who are scared to come out and for me I knew when I went to rugby I'd be around my mates and that was that was a big thing you know they they were mates and they weren't just teammates they were friends and if I was worried about anything or or you know question anything I had people to turn to and that's what rugby rugby league brings it brings you together and, and you end up you know creating a little family yeah, uh, and I've got friends for life kind of friends thing. for life yeah, yeah I've got you know one of my best friends now I, I met when I was 16 you know and I'm still I'm still best friends with her now um it's so, not just not just the game is it like you say it's the, it's the behind the scenes parts as well and obviously things that go on in life that then 
put you on a pitch where you've got to kind of fight for each other at the same time. You know what I mean? That, that mentality of fighting for each other on the pitch is then transferred to, look, I'll fight for you in real life, life as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? No I mean, mess. the game's changed that much that, you know, I, and I'll be honest, when I, when I first started playing Women's Rugby League at 16, it was an eye-opener for me. I was kind of, um, I had a bit of a sheltered upbringing in terms of I didn't want to go out and sit on a park bench and, and drink cheap cider with my friends at 14, 15. Yeah. I kind of stayed away from all that. And then the minute I started playing women's rugby league, playing rugby was, was great. It was fun. You know, we used to turn up on a Sunday and in all weather, because it was winter rugby at the time, so, you know, it'd be even down and you'd be freezing. And, and the, 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 the only thing you was thinking about is after the game had finished was right let's get showed and let's go for a piss up in yeah, the pub yeah. and that's what the, that's what it was yeah. everybody used to go everybody Big used to stay in the, yeah and yeah. it was a social aspect of the game that isn't there in in i don't well i in my opinion i don't think it's this, the social side the same anymore in the game um but yeah people we used to look forward to the game finishing jump in the showers and yeah. then you'd go and you'd have four or five like, like i say i'm 16 years of age and i started drinking pints yeah, yeah. because that's what you know, I was like the youngest one. Is that not a generation thing now, though? Like, say, for example, in a changing room, game ends, people are on the phone, you know, social media, organising other things. The aspect of us all kind of being as one then diverts into, for example, a player, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to go off with my mates, actually, because they've had the opportunity to ring them or text them or go on social media and kind of see something better. Is that is that a divide that then's really not just rugby league kind of but like more sports in general the, the togetherness kind of disappears doesn't it really yeah definitely obviously social media is you know is, is to blame with that with that because at the time you didn't have that did you so yeah. you, you knew what you was doing after the game you yeah. didn't you didn't make plans you didn't you wasn't bothered what all your other friends are doing because you knew after you play rugby you're spending the you know the next few hours with the 17 players that you've just grafted with yeah. and you know worked your tits off for and that group togetherness yeah and yeah. and that's what you did and it's the same kind of aspect like you know it was a lot more physical in terms of you know when i was younger when i first started playing the fights yeah. you know you, that you get into on the because it, it was it was the passion was 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 different to what it is now it's because it was obviously people did it because they loved to do it yeah whether whether they was you know they was pissed from the night before they rocked up with an hangover they wanted to play rugby and they wanted to be there with it with their teammates and when things kicked off everybody was in do you yeah. know what i mean and i know it's kind of an old school with even with the men you know but when something kicks off, you're all in. It's something that rugby league's been famous for for years, hasn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like when you used to get, you know, your Ryan Giggses and your Rio Ferdinands watching rugby league at Wigan, they went there for that reason. It was just a different bit of, kind of like you'd never you'd never see it in football because obviously it's not happened for years. It's not like the seventies and eighties, but rugby league still had it up until about ten years ago, didn't it? Where yeah. the game took you to a point where look, there might be a scrap here, and it kind of got the the crowd on the edge of the seat. Do you think taking that away from the games made the game not as entertaining for a fan who maybe wouldn't watch it, but would if there was that aspect of the game still involved? That's a difficult one because I'm not you sure. You don't want loads of players going around whacking each other. Yeah, yeah, you say. don't want. I think what I think what the fans want to see is a fast flowing game. You know, um, a fast flowing attacking game. And I think if there's going to be a, a scrap every five ten minutes, that slows the game down massively, yeah, and then the teams are losing players. And I think. You know, I, I'm not against you know one fight in every game. You know, I think having a good 
having a good dust up in a, in a game is is sometimes what what it takes um to get the team fired up yeah, and and, and they're fine after that yeah, yeah the, the game then excels because because you've had that little bit of a ruckus and you the crowd are more excited and passionate for what's what's to come and same in the women's game like i said at the time when i was younger it was often but now i mean that's t- been taken away from the game yeah, uh, yeah. whether that's because you know there's more friends playing within different teams and you don't have that same passion. But for me, when I pull on a shirt, you know, I give everything in it for that, for that, for that shirt and that def- badge. Definitely, definitely vouch for that, 100%. Yeah. Going back to uh, Great Britain stroke England then, when you was like, you know, you're 17, going on to 18. Uh, talk us through the games then at that point. Obviously, briefly, what, what did you play? What were games like for you? Did you go into the, to the games as like a, a superstar straight away? What's something you had to build on? Um, I think well, I played obviously went to signed for Wakefield Panthers, which was at the team at the time the team that were quite dominant within the women's game. There was there was two teams. It was Wakefield Panthers and Bradford. What we now know as Bradford Bulls, but at the time just I think it was Bradford Thunderbirds, right. or it might have even been Bradford Dudley. With the, with associations to any teams or not? No, or no. Set, so set no, none of the women's none of the teams in the women's game was associated to any team. Right. Um. So I think we was we was called Wakefield Panthers and we played out at Castleford, yeah. Um, and the same with Bradford. I think they played out at Dudley Hill, but it wasn't really associated. It was kind of a separate entity, you yeah, know. Yeah, just set what, up on their own. Kind yeah. Of um. So yeah, I I had a few games for a, a girls team, and I think it was quite evident that I was probably too, um, a little bit too strong for for, for that for that league. You know, it wasn't it it kind of wasn't fair on. So you're just running through people. Basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was. It was kind of like it wasn't a challenge for me, and and it wasn't fair on on you know on probably my team as well because they wasn't really doing much. Yeah, give you a ball at your own yeah, time. Yeah, so that's what that that's what it was. So I played for a few a few games for girls team. As soon as I turned seven, uh, sixteen, I um I, I think I've just said a sign for Wakefield, but I you didn't. Did. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I went. Um, this is my old age. Yeah, that's what I think. I'm I'm a beer. I'm a beer as well. So yeah, I, mean. <laughs> I signed for Hindley. Um, I had one season at Hindley. Um and then was that the team? Sorry, that you was running three people with. That was the team. No, was, no, yeah. it was actually that was the first open age team that I played for Hindley. Yeah. Um, that was the women's the women's league. Um, I played for Goulburn Girls, so it was a, a local team in Wigan set up by one of the girls' dads. It was yeah. Goulburn Parkside. We played a few games. Um, and then pioneers in sport. These people really setting up that. Really, that early, yeah. weren't it? When you think yeah. about it, to put actually put the effort in to get some teams going. Tony Bradshaw, shout out, um, Amy, his daughter, um, actually played for England. Right. So you know. Um, when it, he, when you look back now, on I know it's obviously you know whatever you were in now twenty twenty, going so like sixty seventy years down the line, I think they these days will be looked back on as like that was the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Like the last ten fifteen years will be the beginning of women's rugby league. And although right now. Nobody's paid doing it, you know. It's like a, you know, it's, it is a bit amateurish. Um, this is the start. Do you know what I mean? And it is a little bit privileged to be involved in something that has started off, isn't it? Really, it so, is. Uh, yeah. I mean, these are the people that I get kind of get forgotten. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I mentioned my good friend. Um, for me, she's the best, the best women's rugby league player that I've ever seen, um, in this country, and you know, and it, it probably would match it with the you know the Australians and, and the Kiwis and that's yeah. Brenda Dobeck. Um played for Great Britain, um played for England, coached England, captain Great Britain. Um done it all. Done it all, yeah. Coach Wakefield Wakefield and then we went to Featherstone, coached them for fifteen years. Yeah. 
has won everything in the game and has been overlooked, you know, and I'm not I'm not So she's still in the game now, does she coach? No, she's coach now, no, up until Through what lack of opportunity through lack of opportunity or just I think I think she just had she'd had enough yeah. of, of, of the game at the time. So I think two thousand and did I come back? Two thousand seventeen was her last season. Um, halfway through, I think she she left. Yeah. Um, but she's brought some international, you know, some quality international players yeah. through. Um, and as like I said, coach Great Britain. Um, sorry, England played for Great Britain, and probably got as closest to 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 beating Australia New Zealand in two thousand eight World Cup. Yeah. Um, seems a bit of a travesty then. Ignore Gemma's dog again. Keep yeah, barking. He's... But it seems a bit of a travesty that something like someone like that's overlooked from starting it beginning of it coaching people to then come on to be England players isn't in the game do you know what I mean not not being contacted to kind of get back involved or you know she's obviously got some she's actually started some up which is probably the hardest bit yeah easier bits to then take it on you know what I mean when all the hard work's been done yeah. um, do you think there's a lot of people like that who've fallen out of the game where they put a lot of years into hard graft to get it off the ground or yeah I, yeah I definitely believe that um, I believe a lot of, lot of people involved you know in the early stages of the game and who've been involved for a long time have, have got completely overlooked mm. they've they've been overlooked and pushed out by you know in my opinion you know the rfl have wanted their people yeah. in, in 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 certain hey there he's again <laughs> Gemma's bollocking him here now trying to get him out he, he knows he's on tape that's what it is <laughs> yeah, I think it's in my opinion, like I said, I think Pete, honey, shh. I think um they've been pushed out, and I think the IFL have wanted the their people, you know, in in positions within the game, within the women's game, and yes, people or just people who have been maybe qualified to take on the roles, or people who won't, uh, won't question things, maybe or. No, I I don't I don't necessarily just think yes people. Obviously, I think they've always they've been qualified, but you know, in terms of being involved in the women's game, they've not really had a lot of experience in that, and that kind of seems to be the general kind of pattern that that they go down with. You know, employing these people, um, and just because they've been involved in the men's game or the community game or the boys' game doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be the right person for the women's game. Yeah, and I think that's that's the problem. Speaking um, from a lad's point of view, obviously I. Had an SNC role at Wigan with you. Um, do you think there's guys jumping on the role of kind of say women's the women's game to make a name for the cell to then progress to the men's game? Do you think that's do you think the women are getting full respect to certain people involved in the game who are in it genuinely for them, or they're just in it as a stepping stone to then make their way to the men's game? Yeah, hundred percent agree with the fact that they're just in it to for a stepping stone basically. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying every every single person yeah, who's yeah, involved yeah. in the women's game is that. I, I know I know people who are not bothered. You know, if they can get any further with what 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 they're doing, they're, they're happy. doing it for genuine reasons. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people, and you know, I've I've come across people in my time at Wigan, that have have been there just to benefit themselves, and yeah. I haven't really given that much crap about about the women and and the interest and and. If you ask them now, you know, do you know what's going on in the women's game? You know, who's this and who's that? They wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to tell you because they're not interested, yeah. and they never was. They just, it was for their personal gain, yeah. and you know, for you know, if that's the way that they want to be. But do you think I'd that's do you them. think that's to a detriment to the women's game? For example, you know yourself, you know people who were in the mid twenties, early thirties who were who were into the game, played for years, that they're then being coached by people who maybe 
I've been in the game a couple of months and like you say, don't understand the women's game, using it to get somewhere else. Is that is that I'm not saying rife in the game, but do you think that some girls could be kinda turned off by it, do you know what I mean? Like being coached by people who they who they genuinely know would take another role at the drop of a hat if it came along, do you know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to get at there? Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. Um yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think as a player, you you, you need to, you know, in, with your, your coaching staff and the staff that you've got around you, you know, you need to be able to trust them in, in a certain, to a certain point where it's kind of like one of your teammates, you know, you know they're going to be there, yeah. you know, through the ups, through the downs and when it gets tough. And I think a lot, a lot of these people that are coming into the women's game, like you said, are, in my opinion, are there for their own, their own gains and it's just a stepping stone. They don't care about the girls or the, the women that they're coaching. Um, they're not interested in the women's game. It's just, it's kind of like a window for them to be seen yeah. and then once they get seen... Because um, there, there is a bit of interest in game now, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like you're talking years ago when you played for Great Britain England, things weren't even mentioned, they weren't on the telly, they weren't even a flipping write-up in a paper. Do you know what I mean? Now... There is an interest where you are getting put on Sky Sports and that stepping stone's there for people who want to take advantage of it, yeah? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the game's moved on so so much from, from when I first started playing. Like you said, you know, there, was, there wasn't even a write-up in a paper, let alone, you know, getting on Sky Sports and, and the BBC. So it, it has moved on and I guess it's kind of an easy little stepping stone for these people to take because you know the game's growing he's got a little bit of interest at the minute especially with the, you know the world cup next year so what better kind of window to put yourself in you yeah. know get involved in something that's getting talked about a little bit more and hope that somebody else notices you or it opens up other other avenues um but it's disappointing because there's there's a lot of genuine people out there um you know like yourself you know when you when you was involved in Wigan who don't do it for them reasons. They do it for the love of the game and, and because they want to better the players that they're, that they're coaching. And that's the sad thing because these players are these people are getting overlooked yeah. when these are the people that you want in the game. Yeah. Do you think it's a problem that... It'd be difficult to explain this, but say, like, obviously, from a bloke's point of view, a man's point of view, there is a progression up to the men's game if you do well in the women's game, but... but turn them roles around for a woman to do well in the woman women's game and then progress to the men's game would be near on impossible. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. there's men taking advantage of maybe coaching roles or things to progress them up further up the ladder, but that would never happen the other way around. And is that is that an issue, would you say? Is that you know what I mean? Would you ever see a women Super League coach? Would a woman ever coach Wigan Warriors men's? Do you know what I mean? Uh, I, I couldn't see it in my lifetime, no. to be honest. Yeah. Whether... whether whether I'm wrong, I'm not sure, but I don't think we'd ever see a women's Super League coach. Mm. I'm not saying that there's not there's not women out there who are, who are capable of of doing that and 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 you know could get the qualifications and and would would be able to offer, you know, something something different. But I just don't think. I don't think the rugby league world would be ready for yeah. a female. Like not setting set its ways, kind of thing. Yeah, I think it'd have to be a certain you know. I don't know who it'd have to be a certain kind of club to to take that step to. I mean, obvious progression would be obvious progression would be a coach, wouldn't it? Not like a, like an head coach, obviously, but someone just working. Yeah. Within the men's I game. Mean, you know I mean, I think I think you know there's you obviously you see physios, yeah, female yeah. physios, female doctors, nutritionists. You get at clubs, you know, a lot of females. Um, I, I think yeah, to to put a female on on your coaching staff, yeah. um, you know, 
fair play to the first team that does it because I, I don't know which club would to that yeah, step. The, yeah. There's there's a lot of very good coaches out there, female coaches, yeah. um, who are more than you know more than capable. Um, that'd be a big progression, wouldn't it? That'd it probably, would, yeah. It'd be, looking at a realistic huge. progression, it'd, it'd be, be huge for yeah. the for, for for you know the women's game. Um, it, that'd be like you know probably the pinnacle of of, yeah. of obviously that a coach. I guess I'm not sure that like, you'd ever see a head coach. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. No, in Australia, I think I think Australia have have got obviously assistant coaches. Yeah. Um, but that game obviously has been progressed massively. I mean, Australia they're getting paid wages, aren't they? Yeah. That's another thing. Obviously, oh, you guys. Yeah, you guys never got kind of wages from it. Or like you never got paid. We never play. got. I mean, we never got anything. We didn't. We didn't even get expenses. I mean, for my first um, for my first taste of international rugby when I was. Like I said, seventeen playing for Great Britain. Yeah. I had to raise a thousand pound. Every 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 player within the squad had to raise a thousand pound just to be involved in the squad. If you Jesus. couldn't raise the thousand pound, you wasn't you wasn't available for selection. Wow. Well, um, for your country. For your country. And Jesus. that was the say that was that was two thousand in this country, the World Series, and then two thousand and two we did a tour to Australia, a free um a free match tour. That was the same again, a thousand pound had to be raised and that this was you had to try and raise this money on top of doing your training so we was doing bucket collections and bag packing and everything that you could think of to, to raise the amount of money that you needed just to pull on your shirt for your country when you look at the women's game then and the dedication time um you know would you get that i'm not, I'm not like man bashing here like but the men obviously play the sport not just obviously for the for the love of the game, for the wage that they get, for the money that they get, for the sponsorship deals that they get. That has not happened yet within the women's game. I know obviously recently that the England squad have um, received some kind of payments to go away and play. But when you look at it from a fairness point of view, for the love of the game that women are putting into it, they're asked, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's all about financial gain, don't get me wrong, but they're asked, like you're saying there, you're having to raise money yourself to actually play for your country. That surely shouldn't be going on. You know what I mean? That shouldn't yeah. be something that's that's even ten years ago shouldn't have been happening. Yeah. So yeah, that that was a you know it was a massive thing t- 10, 15 years ago. Uh, thankfully, you know things have moved on now, and like I say, the AFL being involved and the women did get paid last year when they went to Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Uh, I think for the first time, you know they got paid to actually go away. And, and you know you've got to bear in mind these players are taking two, three weeks off work to travel to the other end of the you know the world. Um, to play a game that they don't get paid for, that they have no support financially from. Potentially, just potentially they can break the neck, yeah. twist the spines, it, twist the knees. Eighteen months out in ACL, do you know what I mean? It, there's that factor of the game as well. Do you know what I mean? They're not playing ping pong game; yeah. they're playing a game a when lot, they're running into each other. When women get injured, that's you know you're on your own. There's there's no support from your club, yeah. as in in terms of financial support or you know obviously. Clubs do the do the best these days in terms of physios, but you don't have that twenty four hour you know care from a club. You you basically kind of you're on your own. Yeah. Like if you get injured, it's it's on you to go you know to go to your doctor and, and and to go get your operation that you need and and to come back and obviously then you'll get the help with the the rehab. But yeah, you, from a mental but, health point of view, like it's I mean coming back from injury on its own with support of a club and going in daily training with you know physios and everybody else that it's difficult in itself. When you're looking at the women's game there, for someone to I don't know bust the knee, spend twelve months on sidelines like no support, got to go and organise your own doctor's appointments, everything else, you have to have time off work. It's life changing for some people, isn't it? Really, it is. Yeah, and this is obviously the differences between 
you know, men and women and the difference between being professional and not being professional. We're playing, the women and men are playing the same, we're playing the same game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We're same play, injuries can we're happen. Playing this, yeah, we're, play, we're taking the same risks and the same injuries can happen. Um, the, the only difference is, you know, the women are doing it for the love of the game. Yeah. And that's on top of, you know, having to work, you know, five days a week, six, seven days a week, whatever, whatever that, you know, shifts and fitting training and it's tough. Yeah. And, and it, and, the reason they're doing it is because they love the game and they want to be successful in 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 rugby league. But you flip it around and you know you take the men who you know it's it's their job. Yeah. I wonder if they'd. I wonder if you'd see the same kind of level of commitment. You know, from a guy. I don't who, think you would. I think if you cut people's wages tomorrow in Super League, I think you'd have a revolt of players saying, you know, men's men players saying, no, I'm not playing until I get paid. And it yeah. has happened, hasn't it? Recently, yeah. obviously, like Toronto and teams like that. Yeah. You take the money away from a player, and obviously they're not going to. And, and rightly so. To be fair, we're not. I'm not slating the men here because obviously, why would you do something if you weren't getting financial gain from it? But that has never been a case with women. It's kind of like expected of you all, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's kind of like, well, that's the way it is, so just yeah. crack on if you, if you, you know, if you're breaking it, then fair enough. That's it, yeah. You hit the nail on the head, it's expected and it's kind of, you know, that's what you get gets instilled and with the England team now and the squad and the way they're working towards the World Cup. I mean, I know first hand, obviously, with, you know, Emily, my wife, being England captain and, so that's Emma, uh, Gemma's married to Emily Rudge, which is who, she, who she's the current England captain, actually. I think she's hiding away upstairs, uh, wrapping she some is, presents. I think so, I think, yeah. yeah. Hopefully she's wrapping out my presents. So just so people didn't realise, yeah, she, uh, Emily's the current England captain of, of the rugby league. So. Yeah, so I obviously know how, how hard Emily's working and, you know, she literally does not stop. I mean, we don't, I don't really see her, yeah. you know, which is not a bad thing sometimes, but yeah. um, she's, she's working so hard and it is expected. It's not... It's not asked. It's it's expected, and it, and if you don't want to put that in, then you're not gonna get you know you're not gonna get selected. But does it does it does it take here now? Sorry to just no, stop what you're talking about there. Does it take somebody, say for like Emily there now? I'm not, I'm not saying Emily, but somebody up to Emily's standard, so the captain of England, one of the best players in the country at rugby league. Does it take someone like that to stand up and say, Do you know what? I'm not gonna play this game anymore then, unless there's something better. Does that make sense? I'm yeah. not putting it on Emily though. I'm not yeah, saying yeah. Emily, Emily should do that tomorrow. I'm just saying, does it does it does somebody have to? Does a group or a collective maybe players say, "Look, you know, I'm going to minute. We need more than this." And maybe did that happen then for them to obviously get paid when they went down to Papua New Guinea uh, a year ago or whenever it was? No, I don't think that. I don't think that's happened, and I don't think that would happen because the simple from what I said, the, the women play the game because they love it. Yeah. So, yeah. if you take, if you take, yeah, really. if, they, if they get paid, then they see it as you know, it's it's a it's a bonus. Yeah. If you don't, if they don't get paid, then they've not lost anything because they're doing they're doing it because they the passion for the game, yeah. not because of you know of what they can make out of the game. Because in but, all honesty, they're not going to make anything from playing rugby league. Yeah, yeah. But what about the clubs who are obviously then pushing that they've got a women's side? You're having your pictures taken as teams. You're having your pictures taken for your profiles on their websites. The games are advertised. The games are, are charged. You you know you pay a fiver to get in admission. Where's that money going back? Do you know what I mean? I mean, the admission fee of a, of a game that fills a ground usually, obviously, is going towards players' wages, players' welfare. How come in the women's game there's crowds of a thousand, yeah. yet yet nobody's seen any money from that? You tell me. I don't know. It's going. It's not <laughs> Put you on the spot there, I, uh, I don't know where the, where the money goes. I mean, yeah, I, see what I'm getting at. I'm, though, yeah, you? I do. I mean, I'm not. I don't know what it costs to. To, you know, to put to say the Saints, for example, you know, they, they open up the ground and Saints were quite lucky that we played, well, not last season, but the season before, played games, that, you know, on the pitch, you yeah, know, yeah. at the stadium where the men play. Yeah. It's something that I'm, that I'm not had at Wigan, you know. And last year there was Sky Sports game as well yeah, put on, you yeah, know what I mean? Um, I, think, so, I think there was a bit of slating from that game as well. There was a few 
few ex-players from the men's game obviously slated the the standard. But for me, when you look at the standard of the game compared to the men's, you can never compare it to the men's because obviously you're women, do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and your bodies are different and everything else. But for brutality, I mean, looking at it from you know a changing room point of view when you're all coming back in and I've been there, it's the same drive, it's the same hits, it's the same everything else. I know you're going to get crit- people are going to get criticism because the game's not up to the standard but for me the game's up to a standard where it can be right now with the amount of money thrown at it and the amount of training facilities you've got does that make sense yeah I mean completely like, you can't like compare it, it to a men's game you, because... can't, you can't compare a women's, a, a women's Super League game you cannot compare it to a, to a, to a men's Super League game yeah. first and foremost you know the women are not full time professionals yeah. and they don't they don't do that for a living so you're never going to get you're never going to get the same Quality from from a from a, a woman's a, a women's player. You're gonna you get more errors in the game, aren't you? You're gonna get. Of course you are. More errors do, in you it. Don't forget when the, the game that you are talking about was a Super League Grand Final last year, and it was between Leeds and Castleford, and yeah. it was played at St Helens Ground, and it was a Friday night kick off seven o'clock. Now he, these women had worked. Yeah. He'd worked all day on a Friday. Yeah. Had to get straight on a bus, uh, you know, and get over, get chit, and play a game. Yeah. So tell me where how you can compare the quality. Of, of that game to, yeah. to a Super League game to a men's game where they've trained all week for that specific game they've had video analysis they know yeah. and they've they've chilled it all day at home yeah. and they've, they've come through like a youth system as well they've exactly. played the game since they were 10 you know so what I mean? you, you can't you, know, you can't compare the, the, the quality and you can't you know it's the same game but obviously it's different different players playing you, you've got a man and you've got you've got a woman yeah, yeah. so obviously there's, there's difference in you know in physicality it's it's natural it's going to be so do you think going back to the questions that we asked before about men coaches going into the women's game are some men coaches S&C coaches whichever coming into the women's game expecting the same from women as they would a men's team does that make sense are they, yeah. are they coming in with a bit of a, a, a narrow-minded view of, look, I'm just going to coach these the same as I do Yeah, men. I think so. And I also think that's the same in, in terms of coaches as well. Um, I think coaches come into the women's game and think that they can coach um, a women's team the same as they coach a men's team, and, yeah. and you can't because men and women are different. And, that's... And, what, and what does that need then? So, for example, your friend who you said obviously has no input in the game anymore, who, who coached England teams, Great Britain teams, knew what you were talking about... Is it people like that that need to be filtered back into maybe, you know, the men who are obviously showing an interest in, in training and getting involved in the women's game? Do people like, what's, what's her name? Sorry, I forgot her name from Brenda. before. Yeah, Brenda. Does Brenda need to be brought back in to where, where do women need to go with this? She's been there, done it, she's a woman herself. Does it need more of that and a bit more forward thinking with that than just who's up for a job? You know what I mean? It's, it's got to have somebody who's had that, that experience of going through it before. Yeah. Um... I'm not. I'm not too sure whether you know. I think the game. I think with with Brenda, she's been lost to the game now. I think she's had. You know. I think she gave up. You're talking twenty years of her life to a game that's given nothing, nothing back to her. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of. And you get. You know. You speak to a lot of players who you know around my era. Um, players that I play with internationally, and they'll say the same thing. Um, and this is just Brenda gave Emily um her debut for 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 England in yeah. two thousand and eight. But you know brought her in as a sixteen year old kid. Yeah. Never played a game in women's rugby league. Um, had only been played like girls rugby. Took her to Australia. Chucked her in against Australia at seven, and now she's England captain. Yeah. Like what? That wouldn't that later. wouldn't have happened without Brenda, would it? That wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't. And and Emily's you know Emily would openly openly you know admit that you know she wouldn't be where she was without without you know Brenda yeah, and yeah. a lot of players I think have got you know Brent to to thank for how she brought him in and how she coached him and 
I don't think we've got we haven't got obviously a coach like Bren in the game today. Yeah. And that's not to say that there's you know, there's not good coach in the women's game and, and there's not coaches that don't can't do the job, you know, and can't coach women because for for example, um Deck, who's a St. Ellen's coach, yeah. um, he's one of one of the best coaches that I've been coached by. Yeah, yeah. And he's not he's not just, you know, a coach and it, who coaches guys, he can coach women yeah. and he can also you know, he can relate to you and you can have a conversation with him and you don't feel like he's treating you like a lad yeah. because that's what he's used to. Yeah. Um, and he's understanding the differences he is, he's, between... He's, um, Dex a great guy and he's a great coach and I think that's why he's so loved at St Helens, you yeah. know, by all the girls and he's so well respected because of, because of the way that you know, he. Um... But isn't that a coach? Isn't that what a coach's men to do? You know what I mean. Coach, what's in front of him? You know what I mean. Whether it be a, um, you know, any type of team, men, women, um, you know, your disabled teams that have started to get through at the minute. The coach is obviously coaching the team in front of him. Does that make sense? Not trying to put it towards. You know what? What the like we said before, what they can get out of the game, not this stepping stone kind of mentality where I'll do well with these and I'll get onto the next one that'll climb up the ladder. Yeah. Um... That's all you can do, is it? You can only you can only, you can only deal with and work with what you've got in front of you at the time. Yeah, yeah. And if you're if you just want to be that kind of person who's going to come in and use use the women as as a way to get up a ladder or to put yourself out there, um, you're not really going to do well, are you? Because yeah. you're just going to keep. You're going to be found out in the end, I suppose. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. And that's what that's obviously the big thing. Yeah. Uh, got right. Going on then. I think we've talked about that enough there. Going on about then to your year out of the game before the Wigan set up. So the RFL put a lot of money into the game around about 2017. We you you'd had a year out of the game at that point, hadn't you? You'd, you'd yeah, kind of like knocked it on head. Yeah. And through what though? Just through lack of um, opportunity I'd lost, I'd or the game. Yeah. Well, yeah, opportunity. And I'd lost a lot of love that I had for the game at the time. I'd been playing for a long time, and like I said, I was at Featherstone and. Um, at the time, I was I was obviously travelling to his trainings an hour away, an hour yeah, and an hour and a half to Feverson. Which you've done for a number of years, like yeah. Um, and it just it just got a bit too much. And like I say, once you lose a love for the game, then there's no point playing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I kind of made the decision, um, to to retire, and you know that 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 decision that I made, I I thought that was it. Yeah. I didn't have any intention of you know thinking oh I'm just having a year out, I'm gonna come back. It was me done with with rugby. I'd said my goodbyes and and that was it. Um, but then the RFL put a lot of money into setting up like a women's super league. So like we mentioned before, it's you know it took them a long time. Other sports had maybe been a bit more forward thinking with it. Football especially when you look at it, rugby union. The RFL decided to set up um, like a women's super league. So every team that was in the super league were meant to work towards or have. Um, a team set up that they could then put together in a league very similar to the men's format really um, but obviously we're women so that happened around about 2017 I think we first got together at Wigan November 2017 what brought you so let's, let's go back maybe then to the summer of 2017 when did you hear about the Wigan set up happening when did you hear about the, the Super League set up happening so I'd heard about it I think around about like I said the summer um, at this at this point um, I actually ended up playing in the two thousand seventeen. I ended up playing a few games um, for Fatal Heath, which it's kind of the majority of Fatal Heath went to form the Saint Helens team. Yeah. Um, 
they were struggling that that season uh, with, with quite a lot of injuries, and they'd kind of they kind of asked me, you know, would I would I consider coming out of retirement and playing a couple of games? Um, I got on really well with Mark Brennan, the coach, at Fatweef. Um, so yeah, I I ended up playing a couple of games without really much training, obviously because I I obviously hadn't really done much that that year. Uh, kind of enjoyed it, you know, enjoyed being back out there, being amongst the girls. And then I kind of heard about um the Super League starting. I, I knew that St. St. Helens were putting a team in. I'd spoke to Mark about it. Mark had kind of asked me, you know, how I felt about it. Would I want to play for St. Helens as he was going to coach St. Helens the year after. Yeah. And then I heard, obviously, Wigan uh, around about November time. I think, a few like, Facebook things like that, didn't they? And yeah, a few, a few little things. On it and... um. I'll be honest, and I probably, you know, not said this before, I was put off a little bit, a bit by who um, I'd heard who was going to be coaching the winging team. Right. Um, and I'd heard a few little negative comments and, and people's opinions on, on this person. Um, and yeah, I kind of thought, well, I, I, I'm, I'm not really going to go down that route. Yeah. Um, so I seriously, like, yeah, so didn't really think of it too much in detail. It was just a kind of a passing thought. Um, knew St. Ellen's obviously really respected Mark, um, really got on with Mark. Obviously, Emily was going to go at St. Ellen's. Yeah. So it was kind of a decision that I kind of had to make whether I wanted to play first and foremost and who I kind of wanted to play for. And then I spoke to my dad, obviously him being, you know, an ex Wigan player, me being a massive Wigan fan. The chance to pull on, you know, the, the cherry and white yeah. and play for the a team that I loved, a team that I've supported since I was a baby. Obviously, you know, there's only gonna be one winner, regardless of, of who was gonna be there and who wasn't gonna be there. Um, so, so obviously it should have happened sooner, do you know what I mean? It have happened like five, six years beforehand, you'd have got a lot more time out of the game playing for Wigan. But it must have felt like a bit of a dream at the time to, you know, you've retired. Next minute, you, you, the club that you've supported all your life scored a try at Central Park, flipping crowd cheering. They've set a team up and you you know you're good enough at that point then to get in that team, don't you? Yeah. Um, I still, you know, believed in myself at the time that I could offer something to Wigan. Um, yeah. I, if I'm honest, yeah, I've got it because I wish it was 10 years, yeah. you know, 10 years sooner and I would have had, you know, opportunity to to play for for Wigan for longer, um, and to to make you know to make that club as great in the women's game as it is you know as it is known for in the men's game, but yeah, it came about when it came about, and um, it was a dream come true. Like I say, it was I I ended up I think I'd missed the trials, so I had to get in touch with obviously Amanda yeah I remember you coming in actually I, I run a couple of the trials with dads at the time and we'd done a few like maybe just fitness test things just to see where people were at yeah. and then I remember you coming to kind of like the first proper session where they'd picked the 30 odd girls or something yeah, like yeah. that if I remember rightly and that had been around about November 2017 wasn't it so that's when we started to obviously get the ball rolling we're trying to get you fit really from my point of view obviously I was trying to get you as fit as we could yeah. Daz as well who was the lead strength and conditioner at the time um, what's, your, what's your memories of that period so from November maybe to then January, February that good four month period of trying to get fit yeah. for a pre-season yeah I knew, I knew I was way off um, you know I remember, I've never in. told you this but I remember, <laughs> I remember you coming in I and Amanda that. told me to write down who she thought was unfit and I had four names 
and your name was on that list. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have expected anything But else. Yeah, exactly, I was trying to be as honest as I could, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But you're if one I of them. If I hadn't been there, I'd have, I'd have questioned... Yeah, why, why, yeah, why you put me you on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so I knew. But then, like, knowing you now, you're one of them people who, if you have two months off, you go really unfit, but if you train for two months solid, you go really fit. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, you've got one of them bodies, you've got one of them... Yeah. You're that, that type of person. You'll put everything into training if it's there and there's a reward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so, like I said, I knew, you know, that first session that I, I, I rocked up... I hadn't done anything like a high impact or, or anything kind of intense yeah. for for a long time. So I was like under no. I've always been a kind of player. I never question my rugby ability. And that's not uh, that's not me being big headed or coming across you know arrogant. It's I I believe in what I can do rugby wise. I will never be confident on my fitness because fitness is something that I've always struggled with, yeah. and that I always will struggle with. Me and fitness do not get on like i i will openly admit to anybody who, who i speak to i hate fitness i find it i find it the worst part of of being a rugby league player i think a lot of sports people do though don't they when you get to an elite level so for example england you've captained england you've got to the top of your game you, you're the first english women's team to beat an australian team who are probably light years ahead of the, the english game at the minute the training's different, isn't it? The training is up a level where you have to be as fit as your body can take. Yeah. yeah. And you'll speak to a lot of sports people, look at you know other sports, Ricky Atten, for example, Tyson Fury, they'll kind of give up on it the moment it stops for them because why would you bother? Why would you bother trying to get your body to a level where you're an athlete? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you do find it happens quite a bit, rugby, football, boxing. Um, what, where was it then getting into it then? So obviously, like you say, you hated it. Is it. Was it maybe like you needed to be inspired to get fit or... Was it just the fact that it was Wigan Warriors team and you thought, right, I'm putting everything into this here now, I want to play for this team. You obviously stood out as a player. I remember conversations in backroom staff at the time. You stood out, you were the best player obviously out there. It was just, you needed to get fitter. Yeah, like I said, I've always struggled with fitness, so I, I knew myself what I needed to do, um, but it, it didn't take no extra motivation. It was it was enough, to the fact that I was getting to pull on you know, the Wigan shirt and, and that for me was was all the motivation that I needed. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, like I, the, the help and support that I got off, you know, off yourself and Daz, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, but I kind of didn't need any extra motivation because the minute I knew I'd been selected into the squad um, and then finding out I was captain, I knew what I wanted to achieve that year. Yeah. Um, and there was no way that I was going to pull on a Wigan shirt and disappoint myself and, you know, and, and disappoint, you know, I guess my family and, and people that was following the women's game and, and, and Wigan fans that wanted us to do well as well. So the the motivation in itself was the opportunity to play for Wigan and that and that was it. I mean I've I've obviously, you know, played for England and, and achieved certain things in the club game with Everson, but for me that, that season and, and the achievement, um what 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 we achieved is the biggest, you know, achievement of my career. Yeah. And probably something that I'll look back on and no, I don't think nothing else will top that, to be fair. It was just a good feeling, wasn't it? What happened when yeah. it came into place. It started then with, like I said, November into January time. Gemma's pointing now at herself saying <laughs> she needs a wee. What I'll do <laughs> is I'll just fill in uh, this bit. I was going to talk for a bit anyway. If she wants to go for a wee now, she can do. So basically what happened is around about um, the November 2018, uh, 17, sorry, Wigan got together uh, a coaching staff and we had a few meetings and as players we got together I think it was around about 32 to 35 players all around the North West um, some people that had played rugby league uh, Gemma knew of obviously played against them for different teams 
also people who'd never touched um, a rugby ball before. There were some people who just showed natural ability. There was an open trials um, at one of Wigan's training grounds and loads of people turned up and then the squad was selected through a few training sessions based on fitness, a few training sessions based on ability with a rugby ball. Um, there was a few players also pinched from Rugby Union. So there was, a, like we said before, Rugby Union was a big setup. It has been for a while with the women. You know, if you look on telly, the, the, the women's games are on there. So there was a few Rugby Union girls that have come over seeking their opportunity to, to play a league. So that's how a group of, say, 30 people were brought together from no experience of being a team. You know, we talked about Thato Heath before, they kind of then made the Saints team, so they had that group environment. From that December, January onwards and that pre-season, this group of players, Jem, they didn't know each other. I know, I know a few people did, you might have known, obviously, like your Rachel Thompsons and people like that, but nobody knew each other. What happened in that three or four month period to kind of bring you together, to get you to, you know, and it was a great environment looking back. It was something where you think to yourself, yeah, that was that was where a team who's going to be successful needed the, the grounding. It was, um, and, I, and I think... Flipping out, you can wrap it on. So part two, um, it just carries on from where we left it before. Basically, I was asking how you get a group of 30-odd people, group of 30-odd women who some people have never played a game before, some people come from unions, you know, and there's a... I won't say there were more than maybe five or six who knew each other in the squad. How was that grounding then, that pre-season, to then set you up for obviously what was, what was achieved in the end? So I think... The most important aspect of that was the fact that everybody bought into what we were trying to do. Yeah, they did, didn't they? So, the minute everybody bought into it, so they bought into the, the fitness side, the, the strengthening side, um, the, the training aspect, straight away we created a team because everybody everybody believed, you know, nobody else did, like, in the outside world, nobody believed that we would go and, and win a grand final in our first season with a team that we had. Um as you mentioned, play, some players hadn't even played rugby league before. So yeah, the the the, the fitness sessions, um, the the rugby session that we did, brought us together, and there was a massive aspect, you know, there was a massive um, emphasis on 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 team, and I think, I think that the minute you get that, then you're onto a kind of a winning um, recipe, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, especially in a game like rugby league, and and that's what I that's what I felt that that preseason, uh, we we were fit. Um, was it most professional environment you'd been involved in? It was, yeah. It? yeah. Yeah, some yeah. of the things being done. Definitely, like a, yeah. training kit, venues to train at, um, you know, just like you know the little things that maybe a professional club would put forward towards you, little meetings that you have about what you can and can't put on social media. Just just everything was a bit more advanced than probably what you were used to, weren't it? For really? the whole time, yeah. The whole time I've been playing, so you, you know, you, you're talking years. That, that, that season, 2018 at Wigan, was by far the most professional environment I've ever been in. Um, even the fact that you know I've been on tour with with England and and been in a World Cup, that that year I actually felt you felt a part of of something big, something yeah. special. Yeah, um, and it yeah I, I loved it. It was you you thought you felt like you was a Wigan Warriors you know women's player. Yeah. You kind of getting noticed in town. Yeah. Um, they did make a big deal, didn't they? Put you on that website. Yeah. Kind of made you yeah. walked around at DW, didn't we? Before a game, they introduced yeah. us. Um, Do you know what? One of the like I mentioned, I said the two thousand eighteen was the best season. You know, and the, the pinnacle of my career, and nothing lower top that. And one of the things that um, stands out for me, and it's, I'm not sure whether I was the first or not, but it, it must have been one of the first. It was at a game and um, a Wigan game that watching the men, yeah. and. 
um gone down to you know i think at the end walking down to the game was over walking down to to, to go and a little girl came up to me and asked you know said hello and asked for a picture taken with me you know and um, her mum was saying that she, she loves you and she just wants to play and that has never happened before yeah. and it and it was it stood out and i think the week after this is early, this is I, i'm not sure i think this is still pre-season yeah. um i think we had our first game i know i'm skipping ahead a bit but I think the second game we played Leeds at home at Robin Park and I still speak to her now Amy uh, a young girl had uh, a Wigan Warriors shirt on with my number and my name on and that feeling was unbelievable absolutely yeah, like, unbelievable <laughs> that and recognition that kind of you probably never had before yeah and I mean? like I say I, I still speak to Amy now and I've given Amy boots and I've, I've got her you know bits of kit yeah, and, yeah. and and it's, it's not like you're after, after something like where you're being begetted right? like that. it's more like you say everybody would love that recognition I mean you've put 20 years into a game into a sport where for most of it for 17 years of it you've not really seen much recognition do you know what I mean and then all of a sudden like we said before with Brenda you're you're maybe, and it's, and it's the way it is, it's a bit shit because you're the, you're the next stepping stone. Do you know what I mean? That kid's looking up to you then to play the game, and in future, you're giving a boot. That story might come about in 20 years. She might be playing for Wigan Warriors, who are a better setup then, and people are paid, or there's, you know, the, the England team's doing well, and you were the in, person who inspired that kid. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, 100% agree, and if that happens, that's that's amazing. Um. For more for me that it kind of wasn't about me being recognised and yeah. and that's kind of because I've I've never played the game for like self you know to to better myself in in terms of you know I want to I want to be recognised or like I want to be famous or yeah, yeah. nothing like that. I'm not bothered I, I play with belief because I absolutely I love every little bit of the game yeah. um it's never been about what I can get from the game it's never been about what um you know how how the game can benefit me yeah. it's always been how yeah. I can benefit the game and. It's seeing that and, and I, I, having hit Amy, you know, come with a shirt with my, it, it was more, of, it was more of, wow, this is how far the women's games come. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think a couple of weeks later, or maybe you know, somebody from Leeds, um, to you know, a little girl with Le- in a Leeds kit with with one of the women's players from Leeds had her name on a shirt, and it's just like, wow, this is, yeah, yeah. you know, the game is progressing so much to a point where. It's kind of like you know you're getting your own little fans in the women's game, and that's what you want. Them, yeah. the, you know, if these girls can can be a fan of the women's game yeah. going forward. Then you're gonna get an, another generation of of players like myself who are just fans of the game, yeah. having that passion and, and and wanting to to play, wanting to you know to to do well in the game, and that's that can only that can only benefit the you know the game whole. going forward. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so pre-season over and done with did you get yourself fit was you at a point where you were happy with you at that point or was no, still room for improvement yeah. it, pr- the first game came along it came along really quickly and I, and I, I, I wasn't I wasn't 100% happy with you know in terms of how I felt um, so that was Fev weren't it at home that was Fev was, was it 50 like nil or 54 nil or something yeah, it was a big scoreline wasn't it, nil, wasn't it? Yeah, so that was a team unexpected that had, yeah that was a team that had already been together for a number of years that, that you'd played for in the past same players that was my team yeah, yeah. that was my old team um, a lot of players who played there while I was still there I think they, had, they did have quite a few new players yeah. but um, the majority was you know class players international I think they had the current England captain Andrea Dobson yeah, yeah. playing for them Um They'd got to the grand final the season before and and beat uh, no they got beat by Bradford in in the grand final but obviously they got to a grand final yeah. been successful for many many years Wigan's first game yeah. at, at home um, I don't think anybody 
in the women's game expected Wigan to, yeah, to do what we did that day. That's score line. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. You'd say it was kind of the in terms of the score line was a complete performance on that day. Um, did you think that's what maybe got people thinking in the team, the Wigan team? Now we can do this, like there's, there's, this is it. You know, I mean, we've just we've just beat a team who's got to a final last year, and, and we've absolutely whitewashed them. Yeah, I think I probably a lot of a lot of players, a lot of, a lot of the players in the squad, probably thought that. I was kind of a little bit, and you know, I knew where Fev were at. Fev, even though they had some quality players, Fev was in, was in a little bit of a rebuilding um, stage themselves. Some some players had left to go out, got yeah. Wellington and Carson. Yeah. Like yeah, so yeah. they'd lost players. Um, obviously gained same same as what we're gonna add players who maybe hadn't played before or, or younger players coming up from like the girls section. So Fev Fev were the, the Fev of old. Yeah. So, as much as it was a great result, um, and it was a great start to the season. Personally, I wasn't getting too carried away into you know with the fact that we just beat them, fifty eight nil. Um, and I think, I think you know Fev would would kind of admit that they didn't play well on on that day yeah, either. Yeah. But taking nothing away from you know from from the Wigan performance, you can you can only play what's in front of you. I mean, we played we played what was in front of us. We put points on and, and our defence held out against some quality opposition. So yeah. yeah, it was a perfect start really. Going through games in the season and obviously that's the first one. What other games stand out for you? So as the season got on, you obviously got fitter. You were playing more game time. You were training two, three times a week. What other games early on in the season stood out for you? There's one for me, but I'll see if you same same one in the next couple of minutes. Like. All right. Um, game that stands out in terms of where I thought we was at. It might have been the week after. It might have been a couple of weeks after, but it was a Leeds game. Um, and the Leeds were kind of spoke about they were kind of you know that people were making a big thing of the Leeds team and and the RFL were kind of pushing Leeds because of terms of who was coaching them. Yeah. Uh, Adam Cuthbertson, obviously, who was a current Leeds Rhinos player, was was head coach, and they were kind of getting a lot of a lot of the the, the spotlight on them yeah. pre season. So yeah, we knew they were going to be tough, but that game was kind of we, we Leeds beat us at home. I don't think there was a lot a lot in it. No, a couple of points, weren't it? Yeah, but they beat us at home, and I think that kind of brought us a little. Brought me and uh, you know a few of the team and maybe all the team. In terms of where we was at, yeah. you know we we was nowhere near where where we wanted to be. Um, so that that came pretty quick. I mean, that might have been the second or the third game. Um, but the game that stands out for me, obviously, it's it's gonna be the Saints game. Yeah. I don't know if it was the same for you. No, man. Well, it is. I mean, there was a lot of games that did stand out. To be fair, you know what I mean. Like I won't overlook games, but it was the game I was on about then was the Cast game away. I don't know if you remember. Oh yeah. Um, first game kind of like from being on the coaching staff's point of view it was first kind of scrap you all had together do you know what I mean like yeah. I know obviously as the Fev game came along you worked hard together you got as fit as you could you played Leeds and played say, wherever you played on the way and then the cast game came obviously away you go into the home ground they played on the men's ground so it was all a bit it was, it was quite alright for you lot and then in the game we were, you were under cost quite a bit weren't we do you know what yeah, I mean I think yeah. it was a draw in the end weren't yeah, it? it was a 14 draw, all yeah. or something yeah. like that um, but they were a tough, tough side. Yeah. And for me, looking at that then, that's when maybe they weren't the best technical side, but it brought out something in you lot. Something happened in the game and you stood up to someone and you ended up throwing a punch. They threw a punch back at you. Oh. And it was the first time it had happened yeah. in a game. And it's the first time we got Simbin that you, season. Well, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, I think, and I think you were kind of left behind. Like, I don't, obviously, people have seen rugby league games before. At that point, everyone wades in. Only a few did, and I think you were left on your own with a good, you know, six or seven of them around you. And there was that moment in the changing room. This is the point I was on about before that then you come in and said like, you know, where were you? Where were you? What were going on? Blah blah blah. And it was that that then 
as much as the Fev game brought you all together, that turning point was the yeah. cast game for me. A bit more of the physical side of the game, believing that, you know what, we have to have a bit of nastiness about us to win these games that we've got in front of us. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. You know, now you've said it, um, I was I was thinking more in terms of, I suppose, performances as in... Quality. Yeah, on, yeah. on the pitch. But I think with the cast game, um, it was a game where it, it, it'd gone back into a little bit yeah. and it was... Um, I think they went ahead and then we 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 levelled and. Well, they were flying in, taking people. <laughs> yeah, out, they? They, they, high shots, yeah, dirty on ground. Yeah, and they, else. I always said, in my opinion, we was too soft. Yeah. We had we had and we were too soft and we was too nice. Yeah. And we give we give opposition too much respect. Um, maybe that was because you know uh, a lot of the players who were the younger players that were, were were a little bit in awe of the players that were playing against. Yeah. You know, there was England internationals or whatever. But we give him, we give, we give him too much respect, and we was a little bit too soft. And I think the game, um, yeah, that you're referring to, yeah, I had a little bit of a, a to do, didn't I? And yeah. I think I got simbinned. And do you think that's where the women's games maybe, like you just mentioned there, some players get that that's part of the game, some women's players maybe don't. Do you know what I mean? So that's where the, the, the I mean, you probably won't get that in a men's game, would you? You won't get someone having a kick off with someone and all the guys watching. You know what I mean? It wouldn't happen. And I'm not saying that's the game; it's not, but it is an aspect of the game where maybe. Unfortunately, rugby league is going to bring that along in games. Do you know what I mean? You're yeah. going to have kickoffs. There's going to be scraps. There's going to be everything else. And is that something that maybe could um, not attract women to play the game? Do you know what I mean? Is it something that could maybe put someone off and think, "But hell, do you know what I mean?" It's. it's... Uh, personally, I don't think so. I don't think that would put somebody off. Um, if you, I think if you love rugby league and you know what it's about, then you're going to love every little aspect of it, and you're yeah. going to know that if you're in a physical game and you 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 bashing each other to bits and you're kicking the shit out of each other for, for 18 Which minutes. Which women's teams do, yeah. Yeah, you, you're going to get, you know, you, you're going to, as the game goes on and as people get tired, you're going to get the odd, or, you know, maybe cheap shot or high tackle that's going to spark something. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I've always, and I've always loved it, from being a kid watching the game, I've always loved that little bit of a spark which, which kicks off because it either, it either inspires you and it kicks you on or you fade away in the yeah, background and like from, a bit of fire creating yeah, your belly kind of thing yeah and it's kind of like I'm not saying the team who wins the fight wins the game but if you if you show the, the opposition for me if you show the opposition that you're together as a team yeah. so if something happens it could be something minor but you know all your teammates are there yeah. and it is a big part psychologically of the game, yeah. I think that you know that, that other team looks on that and, and thinks maybe you know they're all in it here, and, and they all want it. From that point onward, then, like the cast game, and then obviously we played Saints, and obviously I don't know what weeks were in between. Was there that, from a player's point of view, like yourself, was there that then in the squad? Was there something where it was, you know what, we've gone over edge here, of we're together no matter what. If a team comes out as like, again, we'll, we'll hit them back. I think it was the Saints game. It was the first Saints game at Robin Park at home, and... We end, we we won that game, so the first, and it was a massive, you know, internally it was a massive thing. It was yeah, a massive yeah. thing for us, massive thing for Saints. Bit disappointed that the RFL didn't make it a massive thing yeah. because it they should have done, yeah. Or even highlights, yeah. And they could have they could have really built it up like they did. I think they they did for the Leeds and the Bradford game, first game of the season. They built it up. And they really missed. They really missed the boat with that one because yeah. for me, they should have built that. One. That was the first ever women yeah. women's Wigan Saints derby. It had everything that you. That game had everything that you'd you'd want it to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, apart from I got Simbin again on yeah. that one. 
So common, common theme of that. I think, yeah, yeah, I think I actually got seen twice actually, yeah. and it, that was when it was me and Emily had a big fallout. Oh, I remember that as well. That were quite funny. Yeah, took me off. Telling each other not to have a go at each other during game, and yeah. then a big like a big scrap. Yeah, me out off the ball. So, You're still blaming her for that, yeah. But what I liked about that game is I I went I was simbin so I got I got sim I actually got simbin twice that game. Yeah. <laughs> but I think when I got simbin we was we we was winning, um, and they the you know against thirteen quality Saints players, the the young the, the obviously the, the team um we we still winning, and then I think we went in at half time winning, and then second half came. I think Saints scored and we may have like they they think leveled the game, and then I think I got Simbin again. And what I saw watching for ten minutes while I was off was uh, twelve players who they scored two tries. I think while I was off, yeah. And I think that moment, then I thought, this is like a special yeah, kind of it's a special kind of because I'm not saying I was wrongly sent off. I feel like I was, yeah. and and I think. My teammates did as well. Yeah, and you, I think you were the type of player that pushed it with refs when they came along, didn't you? Yeah, you pushed it to them. I did. Yeah, it benefited your team. Yeah, it got me in trouble a lot of time. But if if I felt something had gone against my team, then you know I was always going to say something. But the girls for 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 the ten minutes while I was off held on and not just held on, went ahead and scored and and excelled really because yeah. they'd been they'd been faced with a bit of adversity. You yeah. know, they've had I, I was sent off and. And that for me was the turning point of our season because then I actually believed we could beat anybody on our day yeah, yeah. and we could actually go on and win this. Yeah. I had no, I had no inkling of the women's game before I started. Obviously in November, uh, two thousand seventeen, but I started to pick up because I was looking at it from a like an outsider's point of view who's had no, you know, experience of anybody, didn't know anybody's name or out like that. And three or four games in, I started to think, you know what, there is a chance we can actually go all the way yeah. here because of the team togetherness that they were involved and as you just mentioned there the cast game came along St Helens came game along and we were beating teams who were quality do you know yeah. what I mean there was that drive determination from people who maybe at the start wouldn't have that but then came out of the shell and just just massively excelled went on a winning streak then so like started to win most games didn't we really to be fair it was yeah. just game after game that started to and there was a good good atmosphere around um, taking it Obviously, we won't mention every single game in the season, but taking it then to finishing... Where did we, did we finish second? Finish second. Second to Leeds, yeah. yeah. Um, See, which obviously Leeds. then puts you into like a, a, a grand final environment where the top four play against each other to get to a grand, grand final. Yeah. Right? Leeds are our kind of... Um, kind of our bogey team all season yeah, because yeah. they beat us at home. I think we beat them. We beat them away. I think it was a drop goal. I think we, we beat them by um, a point. Yeah. And then they beat us in the semi-final of the Challenge Cup. And um and they obviously won the league that season, league leader shield. So it's kind of felt like it was always between. It got to a point in the season where it was always between ourselves and Leeds. Yeah. Um, and obviously as the playoffs went again, Leeds got the 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 easier route to the grand final. Um, we played. We had to play Saints in the in the semi final. Um, obviously to face Leeds in 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 the grand final. So yeah, it kind of all was set up. The whole season, this back and two with Leeds, and we was always the underdogs. It was set up to be this this yeah. big kind of rematch um, between ourselves and Leeds. So that Saints game in the final made it obviously beat them to get to the final. That made it three victories against them in that season, didn't it? So yeah. home away and then the, uh, the semi final, which was sweet at the time. It was sweet. Um, 
didn't work out like well, obviously the the season after I think yeah. maybe they did the same to us and it and it's not a nice feeling but yeah that that season to 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 beat Saints three times, yeah. um, being a Wiganer, it's yeah. you know it's a dream come true. Talking about the grand final then, so the grand final took place in Manchester. It were sorry if it's burp then having a beer. It's um it were on the same day as the men's final, weren't it? Yeah, it was. Um, and we were playing at kind of I think Sports City in Manchester, which is like near Man City's ground. Yeah, um, day started. Gemma tipped up. Um, what were you then? So that week, um, start on the Monday. We'd we'd played Saints on the Sunday, hadn't we? We in the semi final beat Saints. Um, on the Monday we had uh, myself, Amanda, obviously as coach. Courtney as the Leeds captain. We had the the press kind of call with the men, which was you know, another first, you know, for for myself and yeah. to to get to go to Old Trafford and have all the press and have the pictures with Sean and. Was it um, Warrington's captain Chris Hill? Yeah. So all that, yeah, we caught in there and the special day and, and and getting ready for the week and it was on the way home that I started to feel a little bit poorly like under the weather, um, and that was on the Monday evening and I think I ended up going to bed at something like I got in at five o'clock went straight to bed, and then Tuesday I woke up horrendous. Um, they were, they were world's best secret at the time, like, because obviously we started, I think we changed training on a Tuesday, didn't we? Didn't we? Yeah. Um, obviously, we had that news then that, you know, our star player captain's flipping ill and we didn't know what it were. And you didn't yeah, know I didn't know what it was. Um, I ended up going, so basically, it was, I, I, all these ulcers just appeared. I, it felt like flu. That's when I went to bed the, the Monday when I got home from the grand final press. And then I woke up the next day and I just had ulcers on my lips, ulcers on my tongue, ulcers on the roof of my mouth. Um, felt horrendous. Couldn't eat. Couldn't drink. Went to the doctors and then got told it was um hand foot hand foot and mouth. Like mad cow disease. Well, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, children get it. Apparently, it's a yeah, really, it's really common yeah, in, in children. Um, so yeah. So for this is this is the Tuesday. I literally couldn't couldn't get out of bed. I didn't 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 get out of my bedroom. Like literally yeah. just stayed in bed. Um, and then obviously the first training session comes along and it's our last session before the Saturday game and I think Willie Eisler presented our shirts and Chris Rodlinski came down it was yeah. a big thing made of yeah, good um, yeah. and I planned to come obviously to, to try and train and I was just I remember just I remember seeing the picture that um, we had with Willie Eisley having our shirts and I remember somebody sent it to me and my face was swollen I looked horrendous tried to train couldn't train had to go home back to bed and literally shop like top and bottom of it I didn't get out of bed till Saturday morning to come for team breakfast yeah. you were in a bad way I could tell I mean yeah, I remember speaking to you at the time and they just weren't something weren't right and as a team obviously we were trying to keep it on the hush but we knew potentially that you weren't going to be playing you know what I mean it, from that moment then of looking at you on the Thursday to then obviously your Saturday morning to be fair you still turned up on the Saturday morning and you still looked rough as fuck do you yeah. know what I mean but Obviously, it was that illness. It was, it was something that was obviously kicking in. It was probably at its height that day. Um, what happened that day then? So we got, obviously, we were, we got given our breakfast at um, DW. Got Again. a coach ready to go to Manchester. Start on that, because I couldn't, uh, you couldn't didn't eat, eat any you had, I remember you saying so... to me you went out for a couple of days. The only, things I could eat during, the only things I could eat during the week is really mashed up noodles and that was the and, and milkshake that was the only things I could get down there yeah. um, because it, every time I tried to eat or drink it, my mouth it was like the sting was horrendous yeah, yeah. and I remember my dad um, 
obviously it was a massive thing as getting to the grand final. My dad was with the, the men were at the grand final all travel, yeah. so my dad was going to Manchester with you know quite a lot of his friends, and he was planning on leaving his friends, you know, to come and watch watch our game. Yeah, yeah. And he was he was murdering me like you know, are you going to be playing? And I remember never before I got up on the Saturday um morning my alarm went off and I just sat on sat on the edge of bed and cried yeah. because you're, you're I, I hate way. I don't miss I don't miss games I yeah, would yeah. play if I was on one leg if I could yeah, yeah. and obviously it was I was going to benefit the team but yeah. I don't miss games and I remember thinking this is a dream come true for me my first season as yeah. Wigan Warriors captain probably you know maybe the last you know and I'm I'm not gonna be able to play in a grand final. I'm ever gonna get this chance again, and I don't know where it came from. I'm not like bigging myself up or anything. I spoke to Emily. You should. You, honestly, from not I know about you and what I knew about you at the time, I knew how much of a bad way you were, and I can't fucking believe that you then went on to play the game like you did. Yeah. Do you to, know what I mean? To be honest, I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it's just adrenaline purely got me through, but I remember crying because I had to get my kit on. You know my trackies, and yeah, yeah. I had to get ready to come and, to come for breakfast, and I I remember just saying to Emily like I don't know physically how yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna play. Mm. Came for breakfast, um obviously tried to eat, couldn't couldn't really eat, um, still thinking how am I how am I gonna play? And then yeah, we got on the coach, didn't we, and got to Manchester. You had a hood on your head, you were down on chair, you were fast asleep, trying to get sleep. It was it was it was you obviously couldn't help it. Yeah, that's the you were massively, massively ill and anybody else would have just sacked it off a couple of days before. But the worry was, obviously we were trying to hide it from the players as much as we could, that you were, we, we were trying to make it you were better than you yeah, were, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, gets to the game, obviously quite a good setup. a lot of fans there watching. Again, could have been an opportunity for RFL to film it maybe and get it out there or, you know what I mean, get it live, but never mind. Mm. Um, and then I remember you coming out for the warm-up, obviously I took the warm-ups at the time and you just didn't look like you could play a game in the next 10 minutes. No. Do you know what I mean? You, you you weren't there. You weren't there physically. I was talking to you. It looked like I was talking through you. It were, it were, it were harsh. And then, obviously, the, more, the, the reason I'm making a massive point of this and making it you know quite dramatic is you then went on to play that game. Did you come off? No. You didn't come off for 80 minutes. You were the player of the game for me in that game, knowing what, obviously, you'd been through it last week. If there was a true woman of steel, I know obviously you didn't get it that year, but if, if people had known this story at the time, I think hands down everybody would have voted for you. Not taking it away, obviously, from yeah. you know who won it, but you then went on to play that game, and without you in that game, we wouldn't have come anywhere near. Do you know what I mean? Opportunities you created, the way you just fucking put your body on the line, tackle after tackle, you march people around the pitch. It was like I was watching something you know superhuman like the Tyson Fury get up in the ring where you think oh he's gone here mm. you just I don't even know where you pulled it out from do you know what I mean what yeah. what all them years of, of Wigan supporting them the 20 years you've played for England and everything else and blah 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 was it just you had to do it at that moment in time you had to give it yeah I think that that was that was what it came down to um and still to this day, I I when I speak about it, and you know, it's my dad. He every time we me and my dad have a drink, and it it gets reminiscing, and he says he's like, you know, it's one of his proudest moments as well because yeah, he knew, 100%. yeah, he saw me all week, and he knew how bad I was, and I didn't even do the warm up. I came out, yeah, I, remember, I think yeah, yeah. five minutes, and then I, I had to go thinking, back in. Hell, yeah, what doing here? I, I remember walking back in, taking my shirt off, and I was just burning up. Yeah. I remember somebody had to yeah. come put towels. I think I, I, think I give you a tablet, some kind of. Um, 
what do you call it? Like something to stop you going toilet. Yeah, drugs basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's probably um, what I needed that day. You know, like an emodium or something. Do you know what I mean? You said yeah. you've got, uh, that's what I had in my bag at the time, and it was like desperation trying yeah. to get you right. Right, hopefully this works. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I just remember just sat in the changing rooms. Everybody was like warming up, and I just, and that the feeling that I had at first, first and foremost was was I was letting people down. Yeah, yeah. because I'm the you know that's my team, and I'm the captain, and. And I'm not out there on the on the biggest game, yeah. you know, the biggest day and the biggest game of our lives so far. And I'm not out there with yeah. him. And I know, like, you know, certain players looked look to me. And yeah, yeah. I think it was a big blow, really, because I think when people if saw me... If you'd not been able to play that day, with, there's no way we'd, we'd have got beat, we'd have got I think it, I, I, honestly, I, I honestly do believe we would. Yeah, I, I obviously, in hindsight, it didn't happen. You, yeah. you know, It's my opinion, that. But I think if, if you'd have pulled out the game an hour before... I don't think we'd have even come close. I just think it had dropped everybody's yeah. head. Do you know what I mean? And I think that was the. F- I think people were looking and and, and wondering, and I, I just remember coming in from the warm up, and we, we had t- ten minutes, so I took my top off, and there was towels going on my head, and and then I had to go out and do the the, the toss, and I, it's, I, I I seriously don't know how I managed to get my shirt back on to go even just to do the toss because I, I I just wanted to just kind of curl up in a little corner and. But then on the flip side, I know that that's that was my team. Yeah. You know, and you were giving everything for that. Yeah, and and it was my club. You know, I, I'm never, I'm a Wigan Warriors fan from and through, and and I love the club. And like I said, I waited, God knows how many years for that opportunity to come along for me to you know to play for Wigan and to get us to a grand final. And yeah, that, there was no way I was going to miss it, even if it you know I had to be wheel it off and take yeah, it to yeah. hospital after yeah. you know no matter yeah. what which real technically was. you kind of did because when you finished the game you went straight home you then yeah. you then obviously we went, we went on to win the game um Charlotte biggest Foley. night of our lives and I missed it yeah it was yeah it was unbelievable we won the best nights I've ever had to be fair yeah. Jim don't want to rub it no. in but yeah um so yeah anyway so we went on to win the game first women's proper grand final as in like you know super league supported um I, you know I'm not blowing smoke up your ass here but down to you for me like the performance you put in Constantly, you know what I mean. There was no let up. I bet no Leeds player thought, "Oh, Gemma's earlier," because you didn't let it show whatsoever. Do you know what I mean? Um, so that night, obviously, then we had celebrations. We we went on to to go to Revs Bar in Wigan and blah blah blah. You went home ill. And um, just going back to what we talked about before about obviously you're not that it's all about financial support, not that it's all about wages and everything else. You're still doing that for free. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Just purely for the love of the game, and that's where the respect has to come. Rugby League on its own has a massive following of, of women who, who support the game. When you go to a crowd of Rugby League, you see a lot of women in the crowd, you know what I mean? So the big percentage of people who, who are female. Does that, like, why has it took the RFL that long to get on the, you know, the bandwagon of making this a bigger thing? Do you know what I mean? When there's people like yourself who just put your body on the line week after week. And it is a different game than the men's, it is, we've talked about that. But that grand final for me is just a perfect thing that just sums it up you wanted to play, had to play, put in a massive performance, all for free. Do you know what I mean? All yeah. for all for absolutely the only reward to make your hometown club a trophy winner. Do you know what I mean? And that yeah. has that has to be massively applauded for me. And you know, for for that alone, like I say, you should have got Woman of Steel for me, like but going on then from that, winning it, having a great time, it then kinda fell to pieces, didn't it? What happened there now? Going from the grand final to a few months off and then the preceding pre season Leading up to like two thousand and nineteen, what happened there? Now, what's what were the differences? In fact, what maybe was the difference in you winning it? Can you put it down to anything where you know you, you look at a turning point, thinking that you know the grand final in two thousand eighteen we won it because of this reason? What happened? 
Well, simply, it comes down to the fact that, yeah, um, just just reading what Stu's just written. Stu, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, uh, you know, before you even said that, for me, and I've said it, and I'll say it to anybody who asked me, we, we won the grand final because we was fitter. We were fitter than Leeds. We might not have been, and that was down to Stu. Ooh, hang on a minute, what's he writing there? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll mention that in a bit. Um, so, we was fitter. We were fitter than Leeds, and I think we wanted it more. On the day, we wanted it more. Yeah. I think they rocked up thinking we're favourites. We've beat them, you know, we've beat them twice this season. They just had to turn up, but we kind of had a little, a little secret weapon up our sleeves for about, well, since we got beat in the Challenge Cup final, which was, I think, June, was it June, July? Something like that, Things needed to change because we we had everything there to 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 be successful, yeah. but something just wasn't clicking, um, and it wasn't clicking in training, and it was really frustrating. Um, and then Amanda, obviously, was the coach, head coach at the time, um, brought in her her husband Stuart Stuart Wilkinson, yeah. who is a very successful coach in the men's game. Yeah. Uh, he's coach. I think he's coach Leeds. He's coach Wigan. He's coach internationally. He's coach in Australia. He's played in Australia. Very, very knowledgeable guy, um, great coach. Um, he came in and, you know, when I'm early on about turning points, for me, the turning point of our season in terms of how we wanted to play rugby and how we wanted to match teams was, was Stuart Wilkinson. Yeah. Um, and he will be, for me, he will be the reason, or I will always say that he's the reason why we won the grand final. What he implemented in a short space of time, we're talking... Eight week maybe. Uh, eight ten weeks. Really, yeah, maybe. eight ten weeks. What he implemented and what he brought to our to our game to our squad, um, was was phenomenal really in terms of how it changed us as a team. There was a big difference when it? it was like kind of like you were hanging off even yourself. Do you know what I mean? Who, when you look at say like technical ability of a, of a rugby league player, you were the best in the squad. Even you were in awe of listening to what he had to say oh, yeah. about certain things. Do you know what I mean? When Stuart spoke, you 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 listened. Yeah, because you knew he what was coming out of his just, mouth. Yeah, yeah, so knowledgeable, and and you know it was kind of like I've been coached by a lot of you know a lot of coaches, club club career and internationally, and for me, he's definitely up there with, if not the best coach I've yeah, ever been coached yeah. by. Do you think he understood the women's women's game? Do you think he? He looked at you as a group of players and thought, "I'm not going to coach these like the men." Yeah, I have to coach that's them like exactly women. that's yeah. exactly it. Um, like I say, he's very successful in the, in the men's game, um, and has got a lot of you know on his CV. He's got a lot of a lot of honours there, yeah, you know, yeah. as a coach and what he's achieved. And very when Leeds was you know when Leeds were like one of the great teams and there was dominant force in Super League, he was involved. And Stuart didn't come in and and think right. Um, these are at this standard. And they need. He just came in and he just coached what he had in front of him, yeah, yeah. and that's all. He, that's all he could do. And it's a shame that he didn't. You know, it was his obviously his choice. He wanted to, on the day, to not be involved in the. T- you know, with the team, and and he didn't want to take any credit or or you know any anything away from the other coaching staff. But that that I know you say you know if I hadn't been on the pitch, we wouldn't have won. But if if he hadn't have coached yeah, for yeah. the last say eight to ten weeks we, we wouldn't have even got to the grand final yeah, so yeah. a lot of our success a lot of Wigan's success in 2018 comes down to, to Stuart Wilkinson for me so where would you say like and, and it's you know pretty well publicised that there was a fallout where would you say the fallout happened then that next pre-season 2019 what happened obviously 
it went a bit to pot, didn't it? It went from yeah. obviously all that success to kind of crumbling apart. What was that down to? It's quite a, it's quite a sore subject for me, this, because, you know, like I've mentioned several times, being a massive Wigan fan, um, loving the club, for me, the club really let us down in 2019, mm. which is sad because you could understand it if we'd have had an average season in 2018, we hadn't really, you know, done anything or achieved anything, but we had, we'd have, we'd achieved, you know, the, the, the pinnacle of what, what yeah, we could have done achieved. The best you could. Yeah. And they were celebrating it, weren't yeah. they? Oh, the, yeah. And, social you know, media's they, they, loved, they loved the fact that, you know, they had, we was the third team, you know, the, the men won the grand final, the academy won, and then the women won. Yeah. And it was a, a record... You know, no other club have done that yeah, yeah, before. So, yeah, publicised all that, and it was brilliant. The celebrations and, but then two thousand nineteen came, and it just felt like the club didn't really want want to be involved with us anymore. Yeah. In terms of support, in terms of getting us somewhere where we could train. Um, yeah, things like that were a big hassle, weren't they? Like obviously having training venues not there and turning up to a training venue and men are 19s were on and they might spend 20 minutes extra than you know eating into your time to yeah. train it was something that was a bit bit of a kicking stones weren't it, you it know was, what I mean? we went from being kind of feeling like i said earlier you know feeling like oh i play for wigan warriors and i'm a wigan warriors player to to a bit of a spur part like what 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 really doing here yeah. like we're not really wanted so yeah. why are we why are we turning up and yeah. That was how it felt from the off, and I think you know, in terms of the the coaching staff, the backroom staff, and obviously you know yourself. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of like like went that at that point. I um, I was getting a bit disillusioned with it at the time. I could see it from obviously you wouldn't have seen the coaching side point of view, but I was seeing people maybe more interested in getting roles at the club, wanting jobs at the club, uh, wanting to progress maybe more in the men's game. And you're, you know, as an individual, I was putting all of effort into you guys, and it. I was seeing behind the scenes maybe people in it for the wrong reasons. Do you know what I mean? Wanting to maybe progress their own careers rather than that group of players that you've been involved with for the last eighteen months. Yeah. Um, did you see that from your side or? Yeah, you... massively. Um, it, it kind of went from a team to a free for all, as in yeah. as in everybody's here for themselves. Yeah. You know, there was players who uh, was more interested in progressing through England but not wanting to to put it in for the club. Yeah. yeah. So would train quite, you know, would 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 put the work in when it came to England training or um, performance squad, whatever they're calling it these days. Coaching and then to obviously the coaching staff, um, it just completely just shifted and like I say, it went from being this two thousand eighteen to to a team that I've never never felt as part of a team yeah, yeah. to then never feeling as individual yeah. in, in 2019 it all didn't make sense it did we made some good signings yeah we made you know we Vicky Molyneux coming in and it should have we should, on paper it should have been a better season yeah. in terms of personnel and, and you know I guess the support we should have got from the club but it yeah. just turned from from the off it it, uh, it, it didn't it didn't go oh, well and how did that season go for you playing wise what was where were you at when I look back on 2019 I didn't really I didn't I can't really say that I enjoyed any of of, of the games that I played in um, to be fair how come just because obviously I could see what was going on with the club I could see what was going on with training um, we'd been used to having like like I mentioned Stuart Wilkinson you know Stuart Wilkinson was, was coming in and coaching us and, and that didn't happen at the, the beginning of the season yeah um, so we was back to um, Amanda obviously 
obviously in coaching with Chris and John. And again, there was a, there was a kind of a, a, a bit of a confusion over what roles Chris and Chris and John had. Yeah. John Wally and Chris yeah. had, um, it felt like sometimes we were maybe batting against each other, weren't it, to get the better? Yeah, one of them. You know, I, mean? you know, I think in two thousand eighteen, Wally was was the eighteens um, coach, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then in two thousand and nineteen, we got told that Chris was going to be the nineteens coach yeah, yeah, and Wally yeah. would be assistant. It was all over the show, wasn't it? So it was just it, yeah, none of us really knew what was happening, and then we didn't have an S and C after mm. you'd obviously left, and yeah. it was kind of like Daz was was our S&C but he was never there and we'd have programs and then but nobody knew how to to do these programs and it I think we had a couple of young kids come in it was just all over and it just felt a very very mixed bag of of what's going on like what what we're doing here like I don't think none of the players felt as Settled and and prepared for a season because yeah. we 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 wasn't and supported kind of yeah thing. and and supported it. and it was obvious from the club um everything which just felt like he was just completely the opposite of two thousand and eighteen yeah. I seen it as well I mean like the support you know what I mean like just asking for a jacket off him do you know what I mean I remember the point where obviously we had to train in the weather which was obviously wet in in January February and trying to get a jacket off him and you doing you know most of the stuff for for as a volunteer. And they wouldn't provide you with jackets. Were do you know what I mean to wear in the rain? And yeah. there is that where you think, Christ, as a club such as Wigan Warriors. I mean, I supported Wigan Warriors as well. I used to go as a kid. It were a bit disheartening, wasn't it, from a fan's point of view to think, fucking hell, I didn't realise that that's how they'd kind of you know treat people behind scenes. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, definitely. They say, don't they, that you should never, you should never meet your heroes. Your heroes. Well, yeah, you yeah. should never play for the yeah, club yeah. that you love because you see things a lot different and it's sad because after that first season you know like I said it was like a dream it was a dream season dream come true yeah. um, and then it just changed and it it's kind of like you felt unwanted you kind of you feel like you've achieved a certain amount and you know you've added value in, into the you know obviously Wigan's a business and you've added value into the yeah, legacy kind of thing you've got people recognising and you've got yeah. people wanting to know you know the women's team are blah 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 you know what I mean there is that where the club were pushing that at one minute and then failing it just the completely next changed 2019 yeah, yeah. it was almost like well, well we've ticked this box now we've got we've got we've had a women's team that's won a grand final yeah. so we're not really we're not really going to invest much more now in, in getting getting you to win again which yeah. is sad because what would have been, been even better was to go back to back and yeah. you know maybe even win the Challenge Cup that year so it it was it, from the off it it was it was it was Disaster. not great yeah yeah a uh, bit of bit of like a player revolt then as well what happened with player revolt there was a bit of like uh, oh, I don't like that word Stuart well you don't know like what I mean I, 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 I seen it at the time I was like I could I could see what was happening I think a few of the players were getting a bit of disillusion with the coaching staff. Um, it just weren't the same, were it? There wasn't as much preparation going into training sessions. There wasn't as much professionalism going into them. It seemed like it was... I could see it myself, you know what I mean? Obviously, chatting to you guys, I could see that something was turning and, you know, there was eventually going to be, I don't know, an outburst or something where something needed to happen, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think um, in terms of players, I think certain players bought into it again, 2019, certain players didn't. I think people... Maybe this is this goes for the coach staff as well. Was happy being a two thousand nine uh, eighteen grand final winner. Yeah, yeah. So you had players who the squad didn't change that much. You know, we added a couple of players, but but not you know not not a great deal. And I think players just kind of 
took the, f- the foot off the gas. Um, didn't feel like they had to work as hard. Probably had that mentality where you all, you know, we've done it last year. We could probably do it again, yeah. and didn't work for it. And and for me, I think that was the. It, it kind of felt like players didn't want it as much as they wanted it before. Of course, success breeds that. Don't it? You know what I mean? When you've done something like that, it's hard to then win it the second time around, isn't it? Or get Doesn't something together. Doesn't go for me. For, for me, yeah, yourself it, individually. It makes but, me yeah, want yeah, it yeah. more. Like yeah. if you've tasted a bit of success, you want it again. But if you'd have had thirteen Gemma Walshes on pitch, would have won it the second year. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Do you know yeah, what I mean? There yeah. wasn't that going on. There wasn't that mentality. No. Um. So yeah. So. Th- I wouldn't say it was a player revolt, but I think some things had to change. Um, otherwise, there wouldn't have been a team to, to, c- to continue with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of inside chat, um, things getting back. I There wasn't much trustworthiness going on, was there, really? No. Was bit, that's the I mean, half a reason I left as well, because yeah. there was a bit of backstabbing going on. Do you there know what I mean? There was a bit of like, like people... Yeah, people yeah, mile in because there was a lot of backstabbing going yeah, on. Yeah, people talking behind the scenes about certain things, and, yeah. and it just seemed that you couldn't really... It was, it was breeding like a bad environment who you could chat to. Do you know what I mean? From being like good mates, every coach journey away games, good atmosphere, it just flipped. It just turned into something where you thought, you know what, I don't want to be involved in this environment. It you know turned I mean? into everybody, like I said, out for, the, out for themselves. Yeah. And there was a lot of backstabbing, and, you know, people talk. So you can talk. You, I think you're very naive if you think you're going to be able to get away with saying saying a certain thing to, to one player and yeah. then never getting back to that other player that you said it about. Yeah, yeah. And that was a problem. Um, I think that was right through the coaching staff. Then. I think, I think, it, was, was I think was... it was predominantly from the coaching staff. Yeah, yeah. I think... And that's from head coach, you know, down. Yeah. And that's something that was found out quite quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and which is why... Not the players involved, I very much don't like that word, but <laughs> the players kind of the players who, who cared and who wanted, you know, wanted to, 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 to be successful and wanted Wigan to go on that season and, and, and kind of replicate what we'd done the year before. Them are the players that kind of stood up and yeah, said, yeah. you know, it has to change, it can't continue the way it is and um and yeah, the the, the the as a head coach you can't you can't talk about your players and not expect it to get back and it, and it, it if it's you know I'm not on about like criticism or if, it, if criticism warranted then it's warranted yeah. but there's a way of doing it and it's not through creating these little pockets of yeah, yeah. you know I'll say one thing to this person and then and that's what it was like and it was all I think for the first time I felt oh I'm in a bit of a I am in a bit of a female environment here because it's it was very very catty and a very bitchy yeah and that wasn't why I play rugby. Like I don't, I, I don't want to play rugby to, to be involved in little women's bitchy yeah, group. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it felt like. And yeah, so at this point, before uh, and it was very early on in the season, you're talking about April time. Um, things went had gone through pre season and and it was wrong straight yeah, away. It was start of the season, wasn't yeah. It? And right. I think because we, I think St Helens were our first game in this, and we narrowly, narrowly like lost to them. But I think it was a penalty in the last minute of the game, wasn't it? Yeah. And they they won by two points. But then I think we played a game after and we got a bit I think we we had quite a tough run. It was Castleford. Just weren't the same, were it? Just no, and same. and it just wasn't the same and I think something needed to be done. Yeah. Or needed to, to the question needed to be asked whether this was, was was right for Wigan going forward. So then obviously Amanda's left as head coach, um, Chris has taken over and 
for the rest of the season, really, I don't know really much what we can go into about talking about the season because it just went worse and worse, didn't it? Really, there wasn't really much anything, no highlight you can look at and think, yeah, well, that's worth talking about because there was there wasn't anything, was there? It was just game after game. Arguing, uh, yeah, there was there was stuff where do you know what I mean? It was the coaching staff probably weren't leading by example, um, and it just went from one to another, didn't it? Where it went from bad to worse, yeah, basically. Yeah, so like as, as a as a season, maybe you just kind of like wash it off because for you especially being you know a senior player, you know when you've only got a few years left in the game, it was kind of like a waste of your time, weren't it? I suppose. Put yeah, putting it bluntly, yeah. it was kind of not. I didn't get out of. I didn't get anything out of two thousand nineteen, and I probably hit quite a low point. Um, and I'm not just talking about in terms of rugby. I'm talking about in general. I would be impacted and things that have happened that happened in my life that year, and it's quite a low year for me. Yeah, so um, I remember you obviously like going back to what we've mentioned before. You putting everything in body soul into the game. You lost your job at that point as well, didn't you? You got to a point where. From all the years of having to take time off for training, take the time off for games, do this and that, I think your employer at the time got a bit annoyed with you and you ended up breaking your hand uh, through playing the game as well, do you know what I mean? And then ended up with no job because of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, this is obviously terms of, in terms of, you know, we're not professional and we're doing it for the love of the game. And yeah, to my... To, obviously, that that was something that personally affected me and, and impacted on, on, on my on my life really you know everybody need, you need a job to, to survive yeah. and your livelihood has to be or kind of has to come first and for me I didn't put my my job first and I quite you know as, as a prison officer um quite an important job yeah. um and yeah the, the time off obviously it wasn't acceptable You're trying to put rugby before a job that was paying you paying your wages and paying you know paying for you to live and putting something else before it wasn't, you know, it's 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 not it's not good, is it? And mm. it was I think it was against St Ellen's that I brought my hand. Um, I had to have time off, and then when I when I eventually went back, kind of got told that, you know, you can't really put up with this much longer no and lost my to. job. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of a dark, a dark dark year. You've done well to pull yourself around, really, obviously, because you've moved to St Ellen's now. You now play for St Ellen's. You've left obviously Wigan behind you. Was that? difficult to do was that you know putting a set on shirt on was it something where you thought Christ I'd never seen myself doing that but how has it come about how is it you know how's it been since then obviously we've had coronavirus this year the season's not been what it should be but what's it been like there um yes yeah, so obviously it was it was a difficult decision to make in terms of the fact that I'm a Wigan fan yeah um is the first time though you thought about number one a little bit and thought, you know what, I need the best for me here now for the next one or two yeah. years I've got left yeah, to play. Yeah, you know it kind of I mean? was. And um, I knew I'd get, Liz Atlison, I knew I'd get some stick from Wigan fans or so-called Wigan fans. Um, I remember the Saints game at Saints where you just got booed continuously off about 800 people. <laughs> for, I think I were running yeah. water on at that point and yeah, you just got literally booed. So yeah. again, looking at you being strong and looking at you being like mentally... You know, just having to keep yourself going. Lost your job, broke your hand, injury after injury, knackered knees. Obviously, then getting booed off eight hundred people. It's a good job you're not selling this. Po- you know, to well, do, do you know like, what I'm saying though? Like, nobody was signing me after this. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but the things that like, women rugby players have to put up with, rugby league players have to put up with, just to play the game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's realistic what we want to talk about today, and that's that is a big part of it. That anybody else would have probably just sacked it off. Sacked it off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I thought that that, that crossed my mind. Do you know what I mean? I thought right, I'm at a point now where. Lost, I've lost love of the game. 
I'm getting injured, I'm not enjoying it, it's affecting my personal life, you know, I've lost my job over it. Is it is it worth it? Is it worth continuing to play a game that I get get nothing back from yeah, in yeah. terms of, you know, no financial support or or even you know, I'm not. I know what I stated earlier. I'm. I'm not in the game for any kind of personal gain, but. But you've got to be supported, haven't you? You've got to you've be. Got to be, be you, yeah, you've got to be supported. Yeah, you've got to be supported. And in two thousand nineteen, was I felt completely on my own in a in a in a dark place in terms of, you know, things weren't going right on the pitch. I was kind of taking the the fall for it a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's a lot to take on shoulders, isn't it, really? Yeah, frustrations were coming out in the games. You know, I was getting myself in trouble with the referee. I had a disciplinary. Yeah. You know, I picked up a ban. It, a lot of things went wrong that season. Yeah. And it just, for me, the big, the, the, the massive thing what came out of 2019 is is mental health. Yeah. And I know it's a, a massive subject at the minute, you know, in, in not just in, in sport, in, in everyday in life, isn't it? In general, yeah, but... For me, it was kind of... I realised what was going wrong in 2019 and, and I saw what was causing and and the decision to go to Saints was a little bit selfish in terms of, you know, it's probably going against everything that I not stand for, but, you know, Believed I believe in, in yeah. yeah. Um, but I play with because I, I, I want to be the best. Yeah. And even at 37, I still have this little stubborn little chip on my shoulder that tells me... You know, you have to be the best. Yeah. You want, you that's, know. That's the reason why you've been so good. Do you know what I mean? That's the reason why you're probably the player that you are. You know, one of the best. You know. And so yeah, obviously. So Deck, obviously, I mentioned Deck earlier, Coach St Ellens, and I had a conversation with Deck, and I actually had a conversation with Deck um, in April before yeah. this. Obviously, the season happened, and before Amanda left, I spoke to Deck, and and I told him, you know, how I felt, mm-hmm. and. Not as a, and it wasn't a conversation as a Wigan player wanting to go to Saints. Mm. It was kind of just, just as a person picking up the phone yeah, and speaking on? to a guy who, who was supportive. So it was kind of like, hang on a minute, I'm getting support off, you know, off St. Ellen's, yeah. who's, you know, Dexter coach St. Ellen's, and is I can't it, even get it off, off my own yeah, yeah. coach and my own club. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sports deck and. I spoke to him again, obviously, after the season. I spoke to Chris and told Chris, obviously, who was head coach at Wigan at the time, that I wouldn't be playing yeah. next season. I told him that I, you know, I, and I was completely honest, I hadn't been in my mind at what I was doing, which I hadn't. Um, I spoke to Ben Westwood and Lee, Lee at Warrington. Yeah. But for me, I, you know, I could have gone to Warrington and I could have been in this kind of same kind of boat as what I was in at, at Wigan, you know, uh, an ex international player playing alongside you know inexperienced players, players yeah. who needed a lot of um a lot of guidance in the game and and I didn't want to do that you know I've I've done that for a lot of my career and the opportunity to go to Saints of Emily being at Saints and the opportunity to get coached by a guy who I didn't only like like as a as a coach but really really respected as a yeah, as yeah. a person. Um, it was too, obviously the opportunity was was too good. It's kind of, of come full circle, and I think people who obviously listen to this would agree with your decision. Really, everything that you've mentioned, obviously, it's probably you know you're saying you're selfish with that, but you're not really. It's just looking after you, you know, looking after your well being to be fair, and getting the best out of the couple of years that you've got left. Yeah. I mean, obviously this year has been a bit of a, a blowout with everything, you know, no league taking place, but. Going off on a tangent, really, so we can kind of finish up. How do you see um, 
the women going on in the Rugby World Cup, which is obviously next year, next summer, what do you think will happen there with the teams that they've got to face? I think um, they're working, you know, I obviously know a first hand through Emily how hard they're working. Uh, I think it's going to be really tough, really tough for them. Um, playing Australia, playing New Zealand. Australia, yeah, Australia, New Zealand. I probably say more so Australia at the minute. Um, the fact that, you know, over there, their competition, the, 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 the professional, they're getting paid, so they can train. Yeah. You know, seven days a week. They're getting paid to do that. Um, they're not juggling any careers and and sort of things like that. So yeah, I do think it's gonna be really tough. I think having obviously the fact that they're not having to travel to the other side of the world, you know, to to compete in a tournament will will help. And I think potentially, you know, they can do really well if they stick together as a team and, and, and work hard from, from now until then. Um, that's all they can do. They can, you know, train hard and, and put the work in, which obviously they are doing. They all need to be pulling in the same kind of direction. So that means you need, you, you need a squad of, of 23, 24, whatever, how many players you want to take to yeah. all want the same kind of thing. Would you ever get involved in it again? Would you, ever, would, you, well, would, you would you play for them if they came calling or would you get involved in coaching staff? Uh, in terms of playing... You know, at this minute in time, if somebody asked me now, I I wouldn't, um, simply yeah. because I know I'm not, I'm not in the shape, you know, for myself and and the standard that you you need to be in to play internationally. If you were fit. If if I was fit and you know I felt in in good shape and you know I was injury free, um, and I was performing, then then yeah, you know yeah. it's a great honour, isn't it, to to play for your country and and to put on an England shirt. So yeah. Obviously, if that opportunity arose and I was in the place I needed to be, yeah, 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 then yeah, of course I would. Strange things have happened, you never know. Well, yeah, coaching-wise, yeah. I'm not too sure. Um, I don't see that in the immediate future. What's but... going to happen, though, say, like, when the game stops for you, maybe in a year or two, what you, what you would, would you be happy with a couple of years out of the game and maybe re- reassess and come back into it? Or would it be something where maybe you'd never look at it again and go, right, forget No, it. I don't think I'd never look at it again. Like I've always said, you know, me, me and Emily have spoken and I'd love to be able to... You know, obviously, I'm getting to like an age now where I look up the things old, that I want. Age, yeah. Yeah, 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 catching up to you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I want kids. You know, we never want kids, so I'd love to be able to. You know, I've said to Emily, you know, if if we had a a child, you know, to be able to go and take them to rugby and, and get involved in their yeah. coaching and. You know, so I think that's like, kind of yeah, thing. that's yeah. kind of like what what I. That's the only kind of way that I see myself into coaching if if it's kind of with my own our own child and. Getting involved that way. So quickly for people listening, maybe mums and dads of uh, girls who are into rugby league at the minute, or even girls herself who are listening, um, what would you? What would the advice you'd give them if you could put Gemma Walsh's head in maybe like a ten-year-old body now of where they want to go? Obviously, with the women's setup being like it is, what bits of advice would you give them, people? If I could put my head. My head into a ten-year-old's body. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. That. It's kind of like what would what would you say to a kid who's maybe got the opportunity? What would I say to a ten-year-old me? Yeah, who's got the opportunity no. now? Where there's a Wigan Warriors side, yeah. there's a St. Helens side, there's a Leeds. So a yeah, I'd say the best thing you could do if you know if, if you love to play rugby league, um, is get involved, get down to a, a local club and work hard because. I wish I was fifteen years younger, and they these opportunities now were you know were coming around. You know, like the chance to get paid and the chance to to be on the telly and just 
just to create a bit of a legacy for yourself you know it's now the game's now in a, in a position where that's what's happening you know the yeah. players that are playing now are, are getting talked about and they're getting known and you know it's these opportunities now they're endless aren't they really yeah. compared the first, to what the first they were ones to do it, the first ones yeah I mean yeah nobody yeah. remembers all the has-beens like 10-15 years ago like me and yeah, yeah. it's now you know you've got likes of Emily Rudge and Jodie Cunningham and getting to have the opportunities you know commentate on Sky you know Jodie's been on Sky a few yeah. times Lois Lois herself from Leeds she's, she's been on Sky and these are opportunities that you know 15-20 years ago I never well obviously didn't have but never would have thought was would be possible so yeah, I, I would recommend playing with Lee to, to anybody who's listening. Good, good. Things are looking up in the game. Like I said, it might be a bit of a slow burner at the minute, maybe a bit frustrating, obviously, how things can be slow, but when you look at it, probably that's the only way they can happen, in it, really? Um, but, yeah, I'll finish up now just before we come to end of bloody two hours of speaking. Um, thanks <laughs> a lot, Jem. Thank you. Thank you for um, talking, opening up, talking about what you've talked about, obviously, some personal things, other, other things. Just like to say thank you. Got out to finish week. Uh, no, thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. And um, here when you want me again. See how many other people listen to it. Yeah, we might do a part two. You never yeah, know. Maybe, you might get no listeners, so I'll never be asked again. <laughs> might venture off onto another topic next time. But yeah, thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks. And thanks for listening, people.